All right, everyone, welcome back to uh, the third episode of Field Goals to Fanboys as we return from our from our hiatus. As uh, as I telegraphed a little earlier this week, Adam and I have been able to figure out um, a schedule that works where we can uh, we can both get on towards the same time and hopefully not ruin our personal lives quite the same way we did the last time we tried to do this where um, nobody was happy. So the hope would be that uh, we've got that sorted out. We're pretty close to on time. Like I said, we're trying a, trying a new format this week insofar as uh, I'm learning how to broadcast more than one face at a time on uh, Facebook Live. And I've switched over to a, a separate uh, video conferencing platform to see if maybe that would help us out as well. Um, we'll see how this works. If it, if it does everything we wanted to, this will probably be the, the system of the future. Um, and if it doesn't, then we will go back to the super cumbersome 17 window system I was using last week that, uh, works, but is way less convenient. Um, just as a, as an FYI, anybody wants to post a comment, we'll definitely answer things in real time as best we can. But, um, Please note that we're about 15 seconds ahead of the broadcast um, just because of the delay built into the software here. So if you throw something up and we don't answer it right away, just know we probably probably haven't seen it yet um, because we're 15 seconds in the future, which I guess is time travel. Um, it counts, right? I don't know. At any rate, Adam, welcome back. We're super glad that, that you could join us. I think this is going to go go much better now that we're back to a duo as opposed to a solo. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and give you the floor to, to talk about whatever you want to talk about for, for your own little welcome back speech. I did mine a couple of weeks ago. So, Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I've been really excited to, uh, be able to talk sports again, ironically enough, even though there is no sports going on outside of Korea. Um, but yeah, it just, it, it sets up right now where there is more time and, you know, getting used to the kids working at home on the computers and, finding ways to get everything else done during the day and also finding times and pockets to, to get work done and work on the scripts that I'm working on and make the reach out. Cause I'm, you know, we're still working on tail end of getting the grail out there. So, you know, again, stay tuned for that. We're still working on it. Uh, but we are in talks with a couple of district, uh, distributors and it's looking good. We only need one, you know, rather be lucky than good. So just, uh, waiting for it to, to finally happen on that end and then I can't wait for sports to come back. I am so hoping, I mean, right now, if everything's going off normally, baseball would be, you know, a fourth of the way through the year and we'd have a good idea on where the Cardinals sit and, you know, all of those other teams that play in the national baseball league. But uh, yeah, no, it's good to be back. It's nice to be talking to you again and having an outlet for my sports fandom and, uh, look forward to being able to have some fun and talk a little bit of sports. So, so you mentioned, uh, I, I started kind of looking away there at the end there. Cause you mentioned Korean baseball, hmm. which we didn't have on the docket, but um, I don't know if you saw this or not, but uh, the athletic was uh, kind enough to, to give a rooting guide for, uh, for, for Korean baseball, like how to pick your team mm -hmm. based on, uh, 
based on who it is that you root for now. I don't. Did you get a chance to see that? I did not. I'm actually looking that one. Yes. Right so which KBO team should I should I root for? We have we have you covered is the name of the article. Um, it came out on Thursday. Okay. And yes, I read the whole thing because there's just not a lot of sports to read about right now. Um, so for me in the AL Central, um, their recommendation for me was uh, you know the Detroit Tigers the. Hanwha Eagles are perhaps a more well-thought-out choice. Not only do they employ Chad Bell and Warwick Sapold, but you could stick with Orioles and Giants and form a bad team wearing orange uniforms, Trinity. But on second thought, why would we do that when you already have an easy out? Let's not overcomplicate this. There's a team called the Kai Tigers. This is a free and easy pass out of the cellar. Um, for an alternate, the Samsung Lions wear blue and silver team colors and uh, is also a scheme and name that those of us from the greater Detroit area are already familiar with. So I'd already been leaning towards Samsung just because they made my television, my washer, my dryer, my refrigerator. Although I'm a little angry about the refrigerator right now. Thing works like shit. But uh, they've also been very pro-US as, as a company over the years. Um, just you know, because of the US involvement in uh, Korean national defense. Like fun side note, the the Korean the I'm sorry, the Samsung Corporation actually donated a significant amount of money to the Korean Veterans War Memorial to get oh, that okay. put up. So it kind of you know I'm like, well, I guess I'll go with Samsung. You know why not? I do like right. the TV. Um, <laughs> and now knowing that the Samsung Lions, maybe not Honolulu blue and silver, but blue and silver, is uh, is the way to go. Did you find who you're supposed to be rooting for? The Kia Tigers. Oh, so we could be. Maybe I should do that. Then we can just root for the Tigers, and then we don't have to yell at each other about something for a while. There you go. So we should we should uh, Kia start. Tigers. It is. There you go, Kia Tigers. I like it. And our live video has ended. So, huh? Um, yeah, I don't know what the hell I did wrong there. Like, I guess it was a preview. A preview. Right. Um, all right. So we're just not going to do a live video feed this week. Um, I'll, I'll make a note of that on the Facebook page later um, that we had a technical problem. We'll just keep going here because I don't necessarily want to go back and restart the show at this point. Um, and I don't know what I did wrong. So <laughs> even if we restarted and spent the 15 minutes on fucking whatever I fucked up, it's a 50-50 chance that in the end I'll just have screwed it up anyway. And I believe I can export the content from this later so we can still get it up for you guys on facebook it just won't be a live feed this week um i apologize for that like i said we're trying a new setup um we'll try and have that worked out next week so that uh, we're back where we said we'd be but uh we're not going to dwell on that anymore because nobody wants to hear any more about how computer illiterate i happen to be well did you want to mention anything else with the uh, kbo or the uh, korean baseball league um I haven't watched any of it yet. Have you? Is it on I've ESPN watched, I, Plus? It, uh, I, I don't know if it's on ESPN Plus. I've checked that much into it, but I did see some highlights on ESPN um, of you know the first game that was played. And now everything that they're planning on doing is starting the league again uh, with without having fans, and some will have fans. I don't know if you, you caught that, but uh, some fans will be allowed to be in attendance at the games in Korea. So okay. Uh, That'll be really interesting. And, uh, you know, hopefully it all works out because if it does, then you can kind of, kind of 
kind of uh, start to see why we're going to open things up and tune out there, you know, uh, slowly. Well, and that, that becomes the question, right? Like, uh, like realistically speaking, um, you know, like how are we going to reopen when it comes to, comes to fans, you know? Yeah. And like, is baseball still talking neutral sites? I know that the NHL um, is slowly backing away from that proposition because yeah. the t- the players don't seem to want any part of it. Um, for, oh, for baseball? No, for hockey. There's like exactly oh, one bug in my garage and it will knock it out of my face. <laughs> um, I find it interesting because everything that I've heard and read and watched on this is almost exactly the same. Like even NCAA football has talked about um, starting their league either on time or pushing it back or potentially having the neutral locations and even doing it without all teams being present. Like say if you were in the big 10, you know, like Michigan, Michigan state, if they weren't able to play, the rest of the league would still play. And then Michigan, Michigan state uh, would potentially allow to be back in to play the games. Once governor guideline restrictions are lifted, things like that. But it right. seems like, everyone's going to have to figure out what their restrictions are in their, in their, you know, local government and state. So I think that there will be sites, you know, like Midwest, Midwest, it'll be Milwaukee from what I've heard. East coast, it's going to be Florida over here on the West coast, it'd be Arizona. So you'd have three leagues, you know, where those teams would just play each other there. Neutral sites, no fans. It'll look, if this is how it's going to be and we can't get back to normal, see, have fans in attendance and be able to go to the games. I think it's going to be uh, really interesting because that was the other thing I wanted to talk about because I did get to see the highlight, a couple of those highlights with nobody in the stands. And it was weird. Like, and they, they talked to Dan Straley, who is an ex MLB pitcher over in Korea playing right now. And he was pitching yesterday. And he said that the weirdest thing was is they played music over the announcement center and had uh, female cheerleaders dancing on top of the, dugouts um every time somebody got a home run or got a hit or you know whatever made a big right. play and then they had on the, the big screen they would have fans zoom in and be able to be a part of watching and dancing uh kind of things like that but he said that hearing the other dugout was interesting he's like usually you can't hear the other side at all like you can't hear the dugout talking being able to hear each other again it's kind of like go it kind of goes back to uh Little League Baseball, you know, because you're so close and there's not a lot of people in the stands. There's not a lot of, um, it's not very loud. So you can hear everything going on in every in each dugout. He said that was weird and the music was the most jarring for Australia. What he said was, you know, the music is always playing and it's, and it's echoes, right? So it's like that soft little echo at the beginning of, you know, Red Dawn or something, you know. So, very... so the music they found was actually more distracting. I, I mean... Than... I mean, guess they I, haven't tried it playing it in just like a stone cold quiet arena or stadium either. Yeah, um, exactly. What's eerie, right? right? Um, yeah, like you know, like maybe that would be worse than they just they don't have the point of reference yet. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I think that it was uh, a little troublesome for Straley. You know, I mean, and like, like I said, one of the things they've talked about that's kind of an interesting, you know, thought exercise is, you know, at least here, you know, Korea is small enough that. You know, if they decide to let fans back in, it shouldn't affect any team more than another. But, um, like, if you look at the United States and the way we close down, mm-hmm. um, you know, would it be more upsetting if, uh, 
you know, or not more upsetting, but would it be an advantage um, for, say, certain teams um, in states where nobody gives a fuck, like, say, Ohio, where the Blue Jackets were going to put people in stands right up until the state said no. And, um, you know, like, so, like, clearly the teams, because it's such a revenue, a ticket-driven league, concession-driven league, are if, right. if nobody said they can't, they're probably going to. And so let's say, you know, Ohio, North Carolina, you know, Minnesota and Texas, I'll say, screw it, let them back in. And, you know, New York and in like California say, no, you can play, but you can't have fans. You know, like you start talking about a competitive advantage for teams that have a, a full house when they're at home, like that home ice advantage, that home field advantage. If you have fans and the other team, you know, like when they're playing at home doesn't um, like I know people always say. You know, in sports, you're like, oh, well, you know, like, yeah, the, the crowd noise helps, but these guys are professionals. It's not a huge difference, blah, 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 whatever. No, um, it looks like fans. it's a difference. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, yeah. in, but in the same breath, they'll tell you it's hard to win in Seattle because it's so damn loud, um, you know. And so, again, like, it seems like if Seattle's got players, you know, got team, you know, got got uh, fans at home and, you know, California doesn't, you know, you start talking about like a home and home, like between the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. and the 49ers that you know that really kind of puts a competitive advantage where the Seahawks are playing a home game in a neutral site game and right. you know the Niners are playing playing a road game in a neutral site game well I mean I think that's why it's going to be interesting to see how they can do this and will because I mean even though the players might be tested regularly you know once you have the virus uh, and you go through it you're considered asymptomatic right, right? Like you're a carrier well, no, um, like I think it can, I don't want to get into specific numbers cause I don't want anybody right. to use this as like a, like a point. Yeah, of no, but, but you know what I'm, I'm trying to say? It's like, it's going to be very difficult to like be able to open I've up. Like, you know, like two weeks after you get better, you're still a carrier. I've heard 40 days, um, you know, mm -hmm. it's still in the system, but that wasn't attached to mm -hmm. necessarily being contagious. Like, and the bottom line right. is we don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which and is why. You know, the other, yeah. you know, fun, you know, fun point of information or lack thereof is everybody's behaving like once you've had it, you can't get it again. But I, I have seen references where they talk about, like, it may be possible to get this more than once. So then it's not even like, oh, oh well, yeah. we can build up the herd immunity, like, and then it'll be fine. That's not necessarily an option. So, again, states that are a little bit more... um sensitive to, to issues with the coronavirus. Um, again, like California, New York, Michigan, states that have really just gotten, you know, like beat up pretty bad mm -hmm. um, as far as like number of cases goes. They're going to be a lot more cautious, I think. Oh, yeah. Than, well, L.A., than New York, states Chicago. Like, you know, like the, the Carolinas and Georgia where people got it, but not not at the same like rate where. Mm -hmm. You know, like the, the United States Army is sending people to your town to, to help deal with patient overflow and you don't have naval vessels pulling up in the harbor. Well, it just shows you what the dirtiest states are in the country are. You know what I mean? Like you just look at all, all the big inner cities and that's where this place has been accessible, you know, and grow, grew, well, You're just going to have more cases, though. I don't know that it necessarily has anything to do with cleanliness of the city. Because, um, I mean, San Francisco didn't get murdered on this and people shit in the streets there. You know, yeah, yeah, I've um, seen it. Like, like, so, you know, it's it, it, I don't think it necessarily has to do anything to do with like the hygiene of the population. I think part of it probably has to do with genetic makeup of the of the population. 
Um, that is, right, but, that but, is the thing but I've seen where they talk if you're about not clean, like if you forget to wash your hands one time, because let's, let's be honest, not everybody washes their hand after every time they should. You, you know what I mean? Th- those are the kind of things where it's, it's interesting. Because one of the biggest PSA things, I remember when this thing kicked off, I, I don't know if you recall this, but stay home, wash your hands. Like, you remember that? It, it looked like it could have been an SNL skit. It, like, it, was, it was just sad that you have to tell people to wash their hands. Well, you know, I mean. Be clean. I, I, I get what you're saying there. Um, and I just, I think part of that though is like, how often do you really, like, I would like to believe, I know it's not true, but I'd like to believe the vast majority of all people wash their hands after they go to the bathroom. Right. God, you would hope so. Yeah. Hope. I've know, seen people hope, not do it, man. But I've hope in one it. hand, shit in the other. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, don't shake my hand. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I mean, like what they're talking about is like how many people are worried about cleaning their hands off as soon as they get in the car from the grocery store? Yeah, exactly. You know I mean, like yeah. that's not a thing. Like maybe I do it when I get home. Maybe I didn't, you know, like it's just, you know, if I'm about to handle food, yeah, I wash my hands at home. But like other than the bathroom, how many times was I really washing my hands a day? See, that's another you know? thing that irks me. Like, people are ordering food. Like there's a couple restaurants out here in the L.A. County that had to be shut down because of COVID-19 because people were making food. And I guess they had it. I don't right. know if they did or didn't clean their hands or they just maybe it sneezed and it got somewhere, but a shit ton of people who, you know, were ordering through this restaurant ended up, you know, getting COVID-19 and getting sick because of this. So it's like, ah, I, I get weirded out, like ordering food out here right now. Cause it's like, I don't trust anybody to prepare my food right now. So I cook all of my own food. Uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things. And like you said, it, it, it is a, Genetically, it is a genetic issue. So some people are absolutely going to be affected by it. And absolutely a lot of people are not going to be affected by it, except by like a runny nose or, you know, getting some shakes and headaches. But, uh, you know. I mean, like, like I said, I'm at a point in, in, you know, full disclosure, I'm in a quote unquote higher risk population. Um, I am of Italian descent. Um up to possibly as much as 25%, um, you know, which you saw how hard the Italians took it. Um, you know, I do have high cholesterol. I, I do have, these bugs are killing me, man. Um, you <laughs> no, know, there's only have, one. Yeah, no, I, there's at least they two multiply. now, right? Like, well, that's what uh, they do. Yeah. But, um, you know, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, you know, these are all things that, are supposedly an issue, you know, linked to it, an issue to it. Um, but again, like we don't know, like these are all just things you know, being said. No, there's no facts. You know, so yeah, yeah like I'm it, it, that's like when somebody um, says that when Fauci's like, Hey, it, it, it's going to hurt the urban or it's going to hurt, you know, people of Italian descent or it's going to hurt with this. Well, we're basing like, that off there? the fact that the Italians got like just murdered by this thing. Like, right. Like, you know, like, and you're seeing it in younger people in Italy as well. Like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that, that definitely backs up that claim. But like I said, I, I hit all these things. I still grocery shop for the family. I still go, you know, to my office. I still work. Um, you know, I wear my mask. I keep my six feet, wash my hands all the time. Um, you know, I got a little bottle of hand sanitizer in the car. So like if I pump gas, I use the hand sanitizer. I go to the grocery store, I get out, I use the hand. You know, I'm doing like the little things. But beyond that, there's a certain point at which – you're going to get it you're going to get it you know yeah like 
you, you do what they tell you to do. You take the necessary precaution and beyond that, like, I'm just not going to freak out about it. Like I just, there's nothing else left to do. I don't have you know, the bandwidth because, you know, well, I mean, and that's the, the thing where we don't know really anything. What we do know is very little and it's going to take a lot more time before things are figured out. That's why it's like, I love the distraction of everyone saying how sports is going to start. You know, football is like, we're going to start on time. It would be an absolute miracle. In my opinion, if they are able to start on time with fans, maybe they can start on time without fans. Um, but like, like, I think we talked about this before. The NFL doesn't have to have fans to make their money. You know what I mean? No, yeah. Uh, Financially speaking, like it, it's nice, but it, it it isn't the same kind of revenue source that it is for um for for hockey specifically, and I suppose to a lesser extent baseball, um, just because of the number of home games they have. Yeah. Um, And I mean, like, that's all stuff that affects the bottom line of the economies, too, Um, without without going down the rabbit hole too far. I mean, that's one of the reasons the city of St. Louis was so upset with the with the Rams leaving was the financial impact that just losing that kind of revenue. Right. Essentially out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, was damaging to the city. Um, Well, yeah. And I don't think St. Louis is alone in, in, in. in, in uh, you know the amount of money they take in, and now you're not talking about one team. Now, obviously, certain cities will suffer more than others. You know, right. like Seattle has baseball and football, on well, soccer. I guess I don't know how they do revenue wise. It seems like it's big up there, but you know they only have like two professional sports or three, um, depending on if we're going to count soccer. Usually, we talk about the big four, um, right. as opposed to a city like Detroit, where you have the Red Wings, the Lions, the Tigers, and the Pistons all downtown. You know, and that's a city that's not doing great financially in the first place. And you just pulled all that money out. Now, I can't imagine yeah. the Red Wings were making a ton of money. <laughs> right. Like, but but, the but, but it's still money, workers. right? Yeah. yeah. You know, the oh, game yeah. day staff still goes in. And even if like only, you know, 2,000 people show up, you know, that's still in parking alone. Like, you know, oh. a couple of grand, you know, and in, like off-duty police officers. And, you know, again, like there's just a, a lot that that generates. Um, oh, of course. I got one of the little bastards. We're halfway there. Uh, well, I mean, well, I mean that, that's why I'm curious. Like, this, you know, like you mentioned what happened in St. Louis, like them leaving and, and what it did to their economy. And, you know, it didn't really help out. They just, you know, cut ties and ran to L.A. And now they have this huge stadium. They're millions and millions of dollars, you know, over per cap and everything like that. Now, Ronke might not be able to have any fans this year. There might not be any football. I mean, again, I love the hope. I love the the idea of things getting back on track and starting. But, I, you know, again, we've talked about this. As soon as somebody gets COVID-19, which, again, it's a matter of time. Like, somebody will get it. It might not affect them. But then you got to shut everything down. It, it, and that's the thing, too. Like, it really is. Um, I feel like football is in a little bit different boat mm-hmm. because they are so far away from starting. Um, yep. I feel like hockey, basketball, and baseball – like we are one bad week away from everything having to push back, mm-hmm. you know, another month. And, you know, maybe the NHL and the NBA bailing on trying oh, yeah. to get anything done this year. Cause it just, you know, they've lost too much time and they've got the 2021 season to worry about. That's going to be a um, huge deal. Like what they decide to do on what they think, because that that's really going to set a tone, I think for the rest of the sports too, that they can have more time. Like baseball and football has more time to right. let it go, but Basketball and hockey does not. Well, so so you say that about baseball, though. Like, 
what do you think the minimum number of games they can play in a oh, year? Okay. Like, I mean, to be on, to be honest, yeah. Like, like what do you think season, like, they could do, and like, you could call it a season, and, and for I'm, this year or in general, for this for this year, like like you know, it's, because it's of this, yeah. right? Like, I'm I'm not saying like, oh, they should cut it down to ninety games every season. I could live with that, right? You know, I, like I'm not <laughs> saying like, oh, this yeah, it's way too long. They should be cutting games anyway, but like, you I, know, for for this year yeah. and the circumstance, like, how many games do you think they have to be able to get in? before they just say fuck it we're not doing this like what, I mean, what's their cutoff i feel like to be able to have a season again no matter what if, if it's under it's going to be under 162 they keep saying 100 uh, 109 mm-hmm. or something that they're trying to look for but right but i think that you could have a season even if it's just a shortened season a half season 60 80 games i, I think so that you could i feel like gives them a, a like pretty it, big window um, well, and if they're willing to open the doors and have it at neutral stadiums to be able to play in warmer climates like Arizona and, and Florida and, and places where well, see, it can be a neutral that, site. That was my, like my that. next question, though. I mean, you know, it's all well and good to say, oh, well, they, they're going to play until November or December. But like, what you if the play, Blue Jays yeah. are in the postseason? Like, you can't play baseball in Toronto in December. Well, you can. Uh, they have a they have a dome. Oh, do they have a dome? All right. Well, yeah. The Tigers don't. Not that we're in any real danger there, but the Tigers don't have a dome. Milwaukee does. Do, I mean, there's only I'm, there's only seven stadiums that have a dome, and those would know, be all stadiums. Minnesota Twins are outside. You know, Detroit Tigers are outside. Everybody in New York's outside. Yeah. Uh, Seattle has a dome, uh, an, uh, one that they can open and you, close. You you well, you could fudge it in Seattle anyway. It doesn't get cold quite the same way there. Like. You know, December in Minneapolis, like it can be three degrees with like, you know, four feet of snow on the ground. You, right. ju- you just can't play baseball in that weather. Like, yeah, you're, you're going to you're going to destroy the pitching staff. I you think that I mean? if I think if they have enough stadiums, which there's seven domed stadiums in all of MLB. So if you right. use those stadiums and you can control the temperature and everything like that, and you can kind of put them in a bubble city where all these players will stay in this region and play each other. And the rest will play, and then they'll just right. do some kind of, uh, you know, expanded playoffs. But I, I feel like, look, if so they want to play, to play 50, 60 games plus a, turn, plus a tournament or like a round-robin buy-in tournament and, and play with an expanded well, yeah. team. Do you, do you maybe expand the playoff format, you know, for the last, you know, like add more teams because of the Absolutely. season, you know, Absolutely. Like, oh, well, you know, these, you know, like the, the last two teams to get in normally it would have been a playoff game, but. You know, they were close enough to the number one team in their division that we don't know. Think, think college baseball and Little League World Series. Think of it as like a, a two-month tournament. You know what I mean? Like they, they'll play for a month and get in shape. They'll play another month to, to figure out where they finish for the tournament, playoffs, whatever you want to call it. I, I don't want to call it a playoffs or a season because it's not going to be either of those things. It's going to be a tournament off of the half season. So I feel like there would be an asterisk next to that whoever wins, you know, that World Series or that tournament because it's didn't play the 162. You didn't play, you know, there right. were extra teams in the playoffs. And this year could be the best opportunity for a team that did a lot, like look at Cincinnati Reds and made a lot of moves in the offense. got really good um, defensively, offensively with their pitching. Uh, I mean, Cincinnati looks like they could be a, a team that – these are teams that could be good in the short term. Like they're not going to be, you know, we look at Seattle, we look at Tampa Bay, like over the decade, last couple of decades, they've had really good starts of the year because they have really young talent. But then you hit that brick wall about the halfway point 
or after the all-star break and you deal with the injuries and you have all these pitchers who've thrown 150, 160 innings already, you know, there's that, that plateau that everybody hits where it's like, you got to get into that group. And so, if you so, don't have to have that, that dull, that role, you know, that lull. So, so realistically you're saying like in your mind, no matter how this works out for baseball this year, it's going to be a, going to be an asterisk season. I mean, at this point, it's May. I think have to. Yeah, I mean, like whoever, whoever wins the World Series, like regardless of how many games they play, it'll uh, still be a win. They'll still count it as a World Series. But I feel like everyone else will have their asterisk. I don't I say, think but, that. But as a fan, right? Like, and, and yeah. for 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 the purposes of this question, just assume the St. Louis Cardinals do not win the World Series. Right. Yeah. Um. So, would you consider it a legitimate World Series win if, say, the Astros or the Dodgers won it this year? I mean, it me to say no, but at the same time, well, no, I'm, I'm legitimately asking. Situation. No, 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 I know. I feel like it depends on the circumstances. It depends on look if it's the Yankees, and the Dodgers. If it's two, the best. If it's Washington again, like again, I think if we talk about this in the Stanley Cup and what it would be like with an asterisk. But if it's the team that won it last year or went last year, then you can kind of be like, well. They were the best teams anyway. But if it's like Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, you know, um, it's it's like, well, they haven't been there in you know, 30, 40 years. So I, I think it depends on who gets in, how they play, what their matchup against, what, what the situation is. I think it will determine on who it is in the World Series or whoever wins and who they're playing against. And I think it's a little different for baseball, too, just because you guys aren't stopping the season and picking back up right you know what i mean like hypothetically the the thought process is they'll play straight through and it'll just be fewer games leading up to and i think one of the big reasons in hockey people are like well regardless of who wins it's going to like have a dozen asterisks right and and one of the reasons you know like you know teams made decisions about the postseason at the trade deadline based on how they you know like that it was going to be a regular season and then like with teams being off and like they're talking about shorting the playoff series and all the different things like well no matter who wins it, you know, like we may not forever reference it as the asterisk season, like the when the Blackhawks won the, the, the shortened lockout season. Right. That whole first year afterwards, everyone's like, fuck it. They played like half a season. You know, it doesn't count. Like they didn't have to like muscle through all the injuries, but then they won like two more Stanley Cups after that. Right. And so it's not that it necessarily legitimized the other one. We just don't bother talking about it because – you know, it was a short, like, like all fans are going to like Blackhawk fans are going to do like, yeah. And then we won again two more times after that. So fuck off. And there's no answer for that. So you just kind of let it go. Well, what do you th- um, think about this one? I mean, cause what, there was like 12 games missed. They played practically the whole season, right? For the most uh, part, 12 to 15 games. Like that's depending not depending on the, like, I can't give you an exact number because the NHL schedule was such a shit show this year. Like, but I do you think the 12 or 15 just... games is too, like, is that a big deal in your opinion? Um, it's not so much how many games they missed. And that's what I'm saying. It's, it's the break. Um, oh, okay. And again, like it's, it happened after the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. And so now they're talking about bringing more teams into the playoffs. And there's going to be teams on those rosters that traded guys away that they might've kept, or even like tried to trade for depth if they'd known they were going to be playing in the postseason. Mm-hmm. And then there's just the simple fact that like teams are going to have guys that otherwise might not have played like the blues and Victor Tarasenko. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hurricanes and Dougie Hamilton. I'm sure there's a dozen other guys, you know, and some teams traded for depth, assuming that guy wasn't going to be there. Like if the Hurricanes had known that they were getting Dougie Hamilton back for the postseason, for sure, 
they probably wouldn't have traded for a defenseman. They might have done something different. Right. You know, so is it really the Hurricanes roster that would have been going into the postseason? You know, so whoever gets the Hurricanes in the first, like whoever beats the Hurricanes in the tournament, right? You can always make the arguments like, well, yeah, but would you have beat the Hurricanes if they had known what their roster was going to be at the trade deadline? Trade deadline. And right. the other thing is that, like, guy, um, preseason hockey is horrible. Like, it's just, you know, like when those guys get back on the ice for the first time, mm-hmm. um, they're bad. And then there's always teams that I think the, the best example this year is the Vancouver Canucks. Looked really good for the first six weeks of the season. And then everybody else got their shit together and the Canucks nosedived and really struggled the rest of the year. And now they're on the bubble to make the playoffs if there's a postseason. Yeah. But they looked unbeatable for the first six weeks. And so you're saying it's important that they have that kind of spring training to, to ramp up well, to I be mean, able to play? It just it, There's, there's going to be a drop. Like None of these guys have been on the ice since like mid-March. You know, right. And they're only going to get so much time back in. And the other problem is like who even gets to play in the postseason? Because yeah. like you know, again, they're, you know, like there are teams that it depends on how they want to count the points, right? If they go with raw points, well, I think it's Columbus and somebody else. I can't remember who off the top of my head, but there's two teams. Columbus is one of them that if they take the raw points, then they get in the postseason. Yeah. But if they take points percentage, which everybody agrees is the right thing to do, which is the percentage of points that you've earned of your available points in games that you've played, well, then they fall off by like 0.02% because they're up by like one or two points over their opponent, but they've played one or two more games. And so when you factor it for the points percentage, then they fall out of the playoffs, you know, and you know, there's the one argument is like, Oh, well, you know, the other team hasn't had many, as many opportunities, but there's no guarantee that like the, the New York Islanders win those next two games. Right. You know? So if they don't win those two games, then the blue jackets would have made the postseason anyway. Right. So, you know, like the, the, the Blue Jackets already locked in their points. So now you're saying some of their points don't count. Um, you know, so it really is kind of a, like a mess. Yeah. And, and so, you know, like, you know, like, so again, like if they go points percentage and, you know, the last team to get in loses in the first round or the second round, you know, and then that team goes on to win the Stanley Cup, there's always going to be the argument, well, yeah, but what if it had been Columbus instead? Would they have beat the Blue Jackets? Well, know. so it's skill set, though, right? Like, that's the biggest thing. The biggest drop off is because they haven't been playing. Like, they've had that break. They've been able to get healthy, but so haven't been able to be on the ice, working on passes, slap shots, like working, you know, double deking, whatever, you know, hooking it in there, working on everything, their plays and, and goaltenders having all that gear on, taking shots. Like, well, it's, a, it's a highly skilled game. And I feel like having that kind of break, and then you got to ramp up. You got to have weeks, if not a month, to get ready before you start again because right. your body just isn't ready. Like it's the same with baseball, any high skill, you know, uh, sport. Which every sport is, you have to be highly skilled to be able to do what they do. But everybody needs warm up time. Right. Well, and part of it too is that like the the way you move your body to play hockey is not natural it's not ergonomic um which only means it's very difficult to practice it without ice you know well yeah like it's just it's it's very specific muscle groups and it's very hard to simulate it um and there's a couple of like really specific kind of expensive items you can buy 
Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is they've repurposed like a like a mogul machine for skiers. Oh, okay. You know, it slides over the the bump, and then you you know you kind of work your hips and your knees that way a little bit with the, with the footwork. Right. But not everybody has one of, one of those, and they're like two grand or something stupid like that. And, you know, like. But there's a lot of players ordering that shit. <laughs> you would assume, right? But you know, so yeah. So I mean, like, it, it's not like say baseball where you can go throw, right? Or you can go get in a batting cage and work on your swing. Even that, like, um, that goofy little like Joe Mauer thing, you know, like the ball on a string, oh, or whatever, yeah. where you can like really yeah. work on your on your swing in your yard. You know. Oh yeah. You, well, you can go. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can go yeah. for a, a five mile run and work on your speed. You know, pitchers can throw <laughs> into a net and simulate that at home. Um, you know, like there's a lot of like squat type exercises that NFL linemen can do to to work on that like explosiveness out of the stance that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and, and hockey players can't do that. It's, it's very difficult to dry land train that um, in a manner that's going to keep you close to game ready, you know? Right. Um, and I mean, you see it with other sports too. You know, Ezekiel Elliott came back from his holdout and he was still pretty effective, but uh, was it Melvin Ingram in, in San Diego or in Los Angeles? Yes. Oh no. Yeah. Mark Ingram. Like, or, or, no, no, uh, Gordon, Melvin Gordon. Was he, was the he... running back in, in, in for the Chargers. He held Oh, out yeah, Melvin Gordon. He came, yeah, and he came yeah. back and he just, he wasn't quite, you know, he wasn't there. You know? Yeah. And it's like, well, was he not there because he just lost his step because he got a year older and he's a running back? Or was he not mm-hmm. there because he didn't get spring training and all that stuff with his, with his teammates? So, I mean, I think all sports do suffer some fall off. And that was a, a thing I wanted to talk about with the NFL. Um, was uh, Kyler Murray. Oh, yeah. We talked about this a little bit before, but like, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, how's his sophomore year going to look? You know, like, what, you know, did we see the best Kyler Murray last year? Is he going to have the regression? Mm-hmm. And um, Jay Glazer was saying this week that, you know, this, this, uh, this off season is really going to degrade his ability to, to grow as a quarterback um, in an, like in a year where guys usually regress in general, um, right. you know, you see a lot of quarterbacks slide back a little bit in their second year. And what he's not getting is that time with his coaching staff, you know, his head coach for sure, but also like the quarterback's coach and anybody he might want to bring in, um, you know, go to like a, like a quarterback specialist in his off time. I know a lot of guys will do that or even like, say, go find like a Peyton Manning or somebody that's retired and spend some time with them, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know that Peyton specifically does that, but there are guys that'll, you know, help guys work on their mechanics at camps and stuff like that. I forget who I saw Kyler Murray talk, talks to. I know he, he talks to somebody. I forget who it is. Like, uh, God. Well, you can talk, but it's not the same as being there and working with your coach and, you know. No, I know that, but you can always be like, hey, well, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if you're asking the question, you're trying to start something out and then, you know, if you get that guy watching your tape, it's like, hey, I know you, uh, hits there you you know you, you missed your first, re- first readout or whatever it is um your first check down did you see that did you, what what was it that you were seeing like there's things that when you develop that kind of relationship with another quarterback it's really good you can do those you kind can of things def- you, they can do some stuff i mean there's certainly yeah. some off season yeah. you know they can look at tape from last year and talk about that stuff and you know they can talk about like how it is that they want to put fitzgerald and, and hopkins into mm-hmm. formations and spread them out and what what those reads would look like but yep. if, you know it's just, it's not, not nearly the same. And so it just, it's going to make that harder for him to come in next year and really like be in the best position to hit the ground running season. Yeah. Um, 
again, in a year when, you know, traditionally guys struggle to come out as good as they did the, the previous year. Um, but do you, know, you th- so- think that maybe the regression might be a little bit less hindered if Hopkins and Fitzgerald are, are getting open, say, 35 40% of the time? With even you know little dinkers over the field, you know, turn backs, button hooks out in the corner. I mean, I feel like Hopkins and Fitzgerald is almost the most beautiful tandem because they're both extremely physically gifted athletes and they're both highly intelligent with their route runnings. Uh, so, and well, and I kind of got to wonder if you don't start like, and I guess it depends on Larry and one how he feels about the change, mm-hmm. and two, you know, like if, if he can excel in that role, but. It almost feels like um, they, they'd want to use him like Detroit used to use Golden Tate, where he was no. the de facto number one receiver when he was there, but he didn't take a ton of snaps um, compared to most number one wide receivers in that traditional like WR1 position. Mm. You know what I mean? Like he'd run a lot of slot routes and crossing and inside stuff. And it seems like if you have Hopkins who can be your deep threat, Mm-hmm. Like, and you can kind of make him run some more of those deeper routes. Like again, like Detroit uses Mel, uh, uh, J- Marvin Jones, you mm-hmm. know, and then, and then open, you know, Larry doesn't quite have the speed he once had right? to necessarily to, to beat a cornerback, you know, step for step on a deep route. But the, the talent, like the hands, the, the crisp route running, the, you know, the way he's able to control his body and, and find ways to get open, you know, taking that deep route pressure off of Larry, and, and, and putting it on, on Hopkins, that could be really scary. I would agree. And if now, Larry again, is willing like to a, do that. And, and, and if he's able, I mean. I mean, my guy, it is a, I don't see why not. That could prolong his career another two years if he's not going on the outside, taking the beating, he's just going, you know. Well, you, the, you get hit a lot harder on crossing routes. I mean, like you definitely open yourself up to some really big hits. Um, but it just, you know, and like I said, like it, it is a different position running those those, you know, slot routes in those number two routes. But if anyone um, can do it, Fitzgerald he, probably like said, could. It, it's hard for me to imagine that he doesn't have the skill set. But, yeah. um, you know, again, that's where not being able to, like, have the mini camps and stuff may hold them back a little bit here because if that is what they're looking at, um, you know, like, oh, yeah, we can. I think everybody's in the same boat except for Seattle, San Francisco, Baltimore, Kansas City, you know, there, there's a handful of teams that this isn't going to affect, but a majority of the league is affected by all of this, by not being able to work with their quarterbacks. John Gruden not being able to work with Derek Carr more, you know, because Mariota's there now and is right. going to um, be important. I, I, and, and I get that. Like I said, it's, it's going to hurt everybody. Um, yeah. And it's, it's going to hurt some, I don't even know, teams more than others, but some positions more than others. Right. And it just seems like, you know, with what it is that um, – Arizona was able to put together like they looked exciting changes that they could, they would have been able to make, you know, cleaner. And the other problem is that Arizona doesn't have the benefit of being like in the NFC East where everybody's dog shit right now. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, well, if it takes an extra two weeks to get up to speed, the Cowboys are bad. The giants are bad. The Redskins are bad. You know, like it's not, you you can, you can be bad for a couple of weeks. It's, you know, kind of the Belichick thought process of, of the AFC East where, he can lose three games in September and it doesn't matter because he's only chasing like the dolphins, the bills. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I, and it just, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, he, do, you know, do you he, think him not being able to work with Stidham Belichick is going to affect 
their ability to because he's He's never even started, so there's got to be some growing pains with Stidham. You would assume that he's not just going to come in and start dropping bombs on week one. It depends on how much they've done to like progress him in in previous seasons. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, well, I think not, he was a rookie last year. Like that was his first year. I think he got drafted right. the year before. So I mean, um, he's never. But played. I'm saying, like, at least he's been with the team for a year. He's read the right. playbook. You know, he knows the guys mm-hmm. in the locker room. Um, as opposed to like Burroughs, who's going to be going into a brand new, you know brand new team, brand new situation, doesn't know anybody, doesn't know the facility, doesn't know the practice rhythms, you know, like all, all the kind of nuanced stuff. He's going to suffer a lot more, you know, Deandre Hopkins, same thing. At least he's, uh, you know, familiar with the NFL season pace, but you know, he's not really played with those guys before. So he's, you know, still learning a lot. You know, he's got to like, you know, like just that feel that a quarterback and wide receivers have. Right. You know, it's why sometimes you'll see like a second string quarterback come in and, who his number one receiver is changes a little bit because he throws more to the number three wide receiver. Cause they just have a better rhythm. Cause that guy spends time working with second team, you know, exactly. first team guys, especially like say you're Larry Fitzgerald's who have a lot of mileage on them. They try yeah. and limit snaps in practice, you know? So when second team comes out, you know, even if they, you know, they swap out quarterbacks, they probably taken Larry off the field too and, right. and bringing somebody else up from the practice squad as opposed to like say Cleveland where you have two very young wide receivers. And when they, you know, pull Mayfield out, they may stay out and take a couple of snaps with the second team quarterback just because they See, don't- that's, that's why Brady and breeze and, and Peyton, you know, guys like that, the ones who work in the second, third or string, because they want to have that continuity and that connection. And I want to know how, I want to know how you move. I want to know how you turn on, on certain cuts and hooks and, backdrops, everything like that. You, you well, want to know the ins and outs of your You want to know who they move and you want them used to like, okay, I'm, you know, like when I cross the 20 yard, you know, like 20 yards out on a deep route, mm-hmm. I'm more likely to get over the outside shoulder than the inside shoulder. Exactly. You know, um, or maybe you have a quarter, you know, like just, just the, where they like to put the ball guys with, you know, that really have that kind of accuracy. Other guys, it's a little bit more, you know, large area when they get deep, they just, you know, they throw the 50, 50 ball cause they can't quite drop it the same way. As opposed to your Aaron Rodgers of the world, whom just, you know, absolutely threads it right in there. You know, I mean, there's like, yeah. I've watched that guy throw some touchdowns against the Lions where I'm not even mad. It's like, there's nothing the defender could have done about that. Like, there's just nowhere. Cause like the only way he could have stopped that would have been be standing behind the wide receiver. And if he'd been behind him, Aaron had just thrown it a yard short and the guy had gotten like a completely unimpeded, you know, reception. So. You know, I mean, like, and that, and part of the reason his, his you know, wide receivers have done that for him for years is they they're used to him. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, um, since we're on the, the the subject of football and everything good in the hood, how about the NFL QB coach duos around the league? Who is number one, and who do you like? Right, well, let, let's let's name a few. Right, we got Breeze, Peyton. You got. Stidham, Belichick now, which, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that turns out. You got Harbaugh Jackson. Harbaugh Jackson. Oh. You got Brady Arians. Uh, you got, yeah, you said uh, Mahomes and uh, Reed. Yep. Um, uh, am I missing something? So, like, and, and part of it, though, is you got to look at it and be like, how how often does it really matter, right? Like, Aaron Rodgers puts up big numbers and as best anyone can tell, he's not a huge Lafleur fan and he hated McCarthy by the end mm-hmm. or McCarthy yeah. by the end. And it didn't affect his ability to produce, but you know, it's hard not to argue on the inverse that like 
even if they didn't like each other towards the end, Belichick Brady, you know, that relationship and how they approached the practice and the team, they may not have liked each other personally, right. but um, it certainly, it certainly impacted their ability to win. Um, yeah. You know, with the way things were, were set up. So like certainly not every, every relationship matters, I would say. Um, I think know, the I'm best not... duo though is the best tandem, you know, at, Ability. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, in my opinion, I feel like right now, as it stands, it has to be Breeze Payton because they're still together. Yeah. Um, I I like the Harbaugh. Like again, now we're back to like second full season, right? Um, I know Jackson's in his third year in the league, but it's his second full year. Exactly. That, so that, what that, about that, that? What about that? But that backup, Jackson Harbaugh you know? relationship. Like, if you go back to last year and look at it. Um, as talented as Jackson is and as well mm-hmm. as he played, um, he was absolutely put into a position to succeed because his coaching staff built an mm-hmm. offense around him. And, and did you know, he throw him- for 3000 yards? Did he even throw for 3000 yards this year? Or was it like 2978? It was, mm-hmm. it was low, like it was yeah. way lower than you'd think for the number of touchdowns he threw mm-hmm. and um, rushed in for him. Well, but that's the thing, though, right? Like that's that's why of, yeah. the, of the style of quarterback that Lamar Jackson is. You know, he's not a true passing quarterback. Force him into being a traditional pocket passer, or even mm-hmm. like a Cam Newton, you know, like or um, uh, Michael Vick type. You know, like oh, he can run, but we still want him to be a traditional. I think that ruined. Um, yeah. You know, I think that ruined Vic's career, by the would, way, would, trying would, to make him not be a, would, would not Michael letting Vick him have, have, you know, like regardless of how you feel about his personal life, would Michael Vick have won a Super Bowl if he'd had somebody like uh, John Harbaugh mm-hmm. putting together an offense that really highlighted what he did well? Well, I think we would have um, seen what we saw last year, 10 years ago in Vic, had, had, had he gotten drafted by a guy who knew right. how to use him. Well, but then that's what I'm saying. But that, and then granted, like nobody knew how to use him. Um, yeah, the guys yeah. like Vic and Newton coming up is, is what gave Harbaugh the confidence to, to do what he did. So it's not necessarily, I'm going to lay it all on the coaching staff, but, um, well, he you know. got to, though. <laughs> I mean, they're the ones that, Hey, that, I talked about this. The thing that upsets me the most, the thing that will agitate me and grind my gears is a coach who drafts a quarterback who has a certain specific talent. And then you try to make them and mold them into what you want and not right. no, that's, using them to their advantage. And that's, like, that's a waste for everybody. But, I mean, I think yeah. Michael Vick would have been better than Lamar Jackson. I agree. Um, because, like, by the time Jackson came out, yeah, like, people still generally build to play against a throw-first quarterback. But, you know, like, guys like Simmons mm-hmm. um, in mm-hmm. Arizona this year, you know, guys are coming out of college now that are used to looking for those run-first quarterbacks. You know, defensive coordinators have tape going back to the Vic era of what that kind of looks like and how those guys moves and thing, things you can do to set it up and, and, and knock it back a little bit. Right. And you think about how limited they really went to that, like, you know, running quarterback system with Michael Vick and how badly he tore people up. Like, imagine if he'd have been running what the Ravens ran last year. They'd have murdered people. Mm-hmm. Like, think about what your average defensive lineman looked like. When Michael Vick played football, man, you're talking like Jerry Ball, who was <laughs> like a million pounds. Like they probably had to sew two uniforms together to get him out there, you know, dressed like and granted yeah. that dude could run. Like I watched him like he almost murdered Troy Aikman. And he ran him down to do it. But, um, 
you know, that being said, like, Jerry Ball was also a freak. Like, defensive linemen weren't as fast as they are now. Yeah. You know, you didn't have these outside, you know, quote-unquote outside rushers, which is kind of a defensive end, outside linebacker hybrid. You know, now you've got Simmons in, in, uh, Arizona. in Arizona, who's a defensive end slash outside linebacker slash defensive back. Yep. And and you and I talked about it the other night offline a little bit. Um, I don't know. I think the NFL is too fast for him to be able to stay competitive for 16 games at all three of those positions. I, I agree. I don't disagree I with mean, that. There, there's going to be some teams they can play where the talent just isn't as deep. Right. Where he might be able, you know, like the wide receivers aren't quite as fast or the, the, the offensive tackles aren't quite as good where, you know, he'll be able to cheat and, you know, cheat a little bit. And like just through raw talent, we'll be able to play all three positions. But um, I yeah. think ultimately they're either going to have to decide on like a, a linebacker, D back hybrid, or a, more of that traditional edge, or he could be the first Viper back in the NFL. Yeah, which is, which is a position that Michigan's made really popular, where you're yeah. kind of a linebacker, but sometimes we blitz you like a lineman, and also you have coverage responsibilities, and. That's what they were talking about when Simmons got drafted. I don't know if you watched that part when Simmons got drafted, but they they mentioned the Viper back in Michigan and, yeah. and how how talented Sim I mean uh, Simmons is, but they were talking about how they're probably just going to to make him a part of different packages where yeah. it depends on who's on the field, what what they're running, what kind of offense play they're running, how many backs are in the backfield, how many tight ends, you know, wide receivers, depending on who they want him to key up or spy he could key up on someone and spy at the same time maybe do two or three different things where he can play that that level and, of, no and okay. that's and that's how the viper back works it's, it's very situational and i think where that yeah. um the two situations where that's the most beneficial is one playing lamar jackson mm-hmm. specifically uh like there's a couple other guys that are similar but like jackson specifically is really dangerous that way um, well, I think, well, I think yeah. it comes up with Pat Mahomes too. He just doesn't throw quite as much. Russell Wilson, same thing. You know, he's not mm-hmm. as inclined. You know, they're not as inclined to be running him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but the the ability to protect against that with that kind of a defensive player. Well, I mean, also, guy's an absolute beast. He's six five, two hundred and thirty. Also, hurry pounds. up packages, especially with tight ends now being a lot more flexible than they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think realistically, you know, you're in that two minute defense. Right. And they go from, you know, like two wide receivers, a tight end and a running back. And then they just shift it to an empty backfield, right. Where they're going to yeah. push all yeah. four guys out. You've got this linebacker or lineman, you know, guy lined up on the line who can just take three steps back and he can cover any of those four guys as a D back. It really takes a lot of pressure off of your defense. You know, when it comes to audibles and, you know, exotic packages and uh, again, like I said, that hurry up offense where you can't pull, you know, where you can't rotate your guys out. Um, yeah. You know, he's, he's going to be a lot more flexible. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and give the defensive coordinator a lot more options when he's on the field, you know, when, the, when the offense audibles. So I'm going to be excited to watch him play and, and see how good. Yeah. Is this just a, a 2.0 version of the Browns last year for Arizona? Like they have a whole, whole bunch of talent, but don't know how to make it work. I, I think, Kingsbury is a much better coach than, you know, Kitchens was up in, you know, because he's not there anymore. Um, no, I, I think 100% Kingsbury is a better coach than Kitchens was. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kitchens, we may see him again someday as a head coach. You know what I mean? Like, he just might not have been ready. And, you know, he'll pull his shit together someday. It's not like right. you see a ton of new coaches coming to the NFL, right? Um, yeah. 
like in general sports when it comes, I don't know about basketball so much, but like, you know, baseball, football, and hockey, you know, somebody gets fired and it's an 80% chance that the person they hire has already had that job for somebody else. Um, <laughs> which is an interesting thought process. Cause if they're so good, why are they unemployed? You know, but, oh uh, I mean, you're talking so about many a, different things a, come a, into play for you that. Know, half a trillion dollar industry. You know, people get a lot more jumpy about taking chances. Um, so yeah, no, I'm, oh, I'm interested yeah. to see what Arizona does next year. Again, like they, they don't have quite the flexibility playing in a real tough division. Um, yeah. it seems like the Rams probably are going to continue to backslide a little bit. Um, God love them. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean like the Niners and the, and the Seahawks probably aren't getting worse, you know? No. Um, so that's, you know, like I said, if they're, if they're in the <laughs> NFC East, I'd be a lot happier about like, you know, them having a couple of extra games to really get their, you know, I mean, cause like I said, the, the NFC West, man, like if you lose your first two or three games, well, you're getting your rhythm together. Oh yeah. It could be really hard. Um, oh, absolutely. I'm going to throw a thing at you that I was talking about with my buddy, Chris, uh, last night. Um, when it comes to NFL scheduling, mm-hmm. and I want you to tell me what you think about this. Um, I think it would be genius. I think it would be amazing. I think it would make the season matter a lot longer for a lot of teams. Not all mm-hmm. of them, but a lot of them. Like, and it came up, he's a Packers fan. And he's oh, like, okay. yeah, we're, playing, we're playing the Vikings week one. And I'm yeah. like, why the fuck are you having division games week one? Right? Like, I think, honest to God, all division games should be played after week 10. Oh, okay. It should be after your, week it should, 10. It should be your last six games of the season. Oh, well, you know what? Because think yeah, about like, like if you're three games back, but everybody's got divisional play left, like one, the team you're three games behind, you get to play twice. Yep. You know, like, I mean, it makes scheduling easier, it seems like, you know what I mean? Because then like, you just know that this is how the season ends. See, um, then that would mean that the NFL would actually have to make good decisions, which they aren't like in the history, they don't always make the best decision right away. It's more I mean, like yeah, it they're has not to... NHL bad, but yeah, they're not great. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it, like, it's because like, of the NFL. We, we look at them and hold them up on a pedestal. Like they can't make a mistake or look stupid, which they do agnosiously all the time. And yet nobody will speak out because everybody works for NFL network or some right. form of telecast where you can't, but I mean, I'm you just know, saying like, like the way you see it, like, Hey, no, the NFL fucked up again. Like in the last six or seven years, like I think four times the Lions and the Packers have played their last game of the season against each other. And I think two of those times it decided the division champion. And see, so I think, it would make I think sense. both of those times as well. Um, you know, like the other, the other team didn't even make the postseason. They didn't even like, they wouldn't have made the, the wild card spot. Right. Right. Um, and imagine six weeks of that where like it's that all would di- be... it's all division games and they won't all matter because like you're going to have your, you know, like the Lions last year where they just didn't matter by the end of the year. Well, um, I see. Like, I think Browns, that what if, what if two out of the three teams are dog shit like and you got to play teams that are, have won two to four games. But they're, but they're dog shit anyway. Last... It means like all all of your, you know, playoff teams are going to be playing meaningful games at the end of the season. Like how great was it last year? Um, you know, you had, uh, what was it? The, the Texans and the Titans like played two of their last four against each other. Oh yeah. Both of those games mattered a shitload to both of those clubs, you know? 
And then, you know, and then even then, like the second, I think the last time they played, it only mattered to Tennessee because the Texans were getting in anyway. Yeah. But the Titans needed to win it. And they did. The the Texans really wanted to see the Titans make the playoffs. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So they're still incentivized to play because it's a division game and like, fuck you. And like, you can't tell me, even when the Lions were dog shit last year, if their second to last game, they could have knocked the Packers out of the playoffs. You think they would have been fucking balls deep in that? Oh, absolutely. Hell yeah, they would. You know, they, division yeah. games, like fuck that. Like even you know, our season's over. We're we're you know we're four and nine. But we can stop but, somebody else from getting man, into the dance. We could still split with the Bears this year. We could split with the right. Bears and the Vikings. Like, and it keeps fans in it. You know, absolutely. Like, fans I agree. are like. You know, like at least we can tell Bears fans to fuck off for the rest of the year because we took them twice, you know, and it's the end of the year. If I've played the Bears twice before, you know, Thanksgiving, uh, you know, like that doesn't give me a lot to you know root for if we're really circling the drain. Mm-hmm. So why not make all those games matter? Why not make the last six games division games? Because even if you're bad, you're still going to get hyped up to play, you know, whoever your division rival is, be it the Seahawks or the, the Ravens or the Bengals or whoever it is that you just want to shit kick because it's a division rival. Right. And all of a sudden, like, people are still going to games at the end of the season, you know? Like, I don't think football has a, a problem getting attendance, do they? I mean, I, I, mean, I know when LA bad, doesn't have a problem. Well, <laughs> no, because visiting fans like to come. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you knew where I was going. That was but uh, you know what I'm saying, though, right? Like, I mean, yeah, like, how great yeah. would that be? I, I think that's something really that is is underthought out. Like, you only play your division for six of your of your 16 games. Why not make them all at the end of the season? So again, like, even if you're like looking at maybe an eight and eight season is your best case scenario, mm-hmm. but you're only playing division rivals left. Like, it's possible you could end up tied with somebody, and you beat them twice, and all of a sudden you're the ones that are walking out of the division. yeah um i i i get it like i just i think that would be a lot more fun i think i think it would be nothing but upside like well because like you said even if there was like even if they were bad teams or bad records whatever it really really didn't matter it is a rivalry within your division and and rivalries are always big no matter how good like it doesn't matter how good or bad the chargers and giants are but when they play like those games are like playoffs, you know, or Philly, New York, Philly, Dallas. Yeah, you know, AFC when you, when East you... games, those guys want to fucking kill each other every Absolutely. time. Even if they're like, you know, three and nine. It's like, fuck yep. that, we're going to beat the Cowboys. Those guys are dickheads. Oh, you know, you know what? Because they're still getting paid, you know, yeah. like they have respect. They, they, you so, know, they want to get their next contract or they want to win and, and get so their next. So why not have that year. like week 17, yeah. three and, you know, when you're three and 12, right? Mm-hmm. Be against, you know, be like Redskins Cowboys. You know, and when it's close in the division, like you're going to get lucky sometimes where the last game of the season is deciding your division champion. Right. You know, and like and like the best part is that's the time of year when you can start playing some games on Saturdays because college football's done. Right. Which there's there's a second question, right? Like, so let's say the NFL starts playing and the college doesn't because I know the NCAA said, well, if the students don't come back. I don't see a way we can have games, whether there's fans or not. Right. Like if they're not running class, right. we can't have games. We'll just play in the spring. That's interesting. There's, I think that's a fair argument, right? Like if they're not actually attending class, right. how do you make them play? Right. And then you get into the rules about practice and all that stuff. And, you know, no, like, but they, like, but they still, practice more, they're, you know, they're doing online courses though. So they're still going to school online. Like they right. still have their classes. It, 
it's they can't physically go to their classes, but they're still phys- they'll still right, well, be but taking. But with the NCAA, the NCAA released a statement this week saying like, if the students don't come back to campus, mm-hmm. I don't think we can have games. Right. Right. And like I said, there's been talk about just moving win- uh, fall sports to the summer or to the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not familiar how hard logistically that's going to be. Like I know the University of Michigan, like the track team, like holds their meets on the outside of the oval. You know, it's it's the same facility for the football team as it is the track team. And usually it doesn't matter because they play at opposite ends of the year, you know. Um, right. And I think a lot of schools do that. Maybe not all of them, but a, a very large number of schools. Like I said, even the University of Michigan, which. Well, I mean, I've heard different things from SEC and, and uh, the Big Ten and, and things well, right, like but that. If the NCAA says no, like that's the end of it. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and then, of course, you get into how do you work bowl games and shit like that. But that's uh, all much further down the road. But um, if, if NCAA football doesn't come back in the fall, if they mm-hmm. do push it to the spring, like, do I get twice as many televised games on the major networks? Like, cause you got to figure they've got time to fill. Right. right. Like, cause Fox shows a shitload of college football as does ABC, NBC, CBS. Right. Um, well, yeah, like, if there's so, less teams and that means more bigger games because so, they're so, going to be airing. Right. So, so why not play on Saturday and Sunday in the NFL? You know, Oh, like, you could, especially if they're not playing with fans. Like, yeah. I mean, the way you look at it is like, all right, well, we're going to let you air twice as many games, Fox. Right. Mm-hmm. So now like you get my eyeballs on Saturday and Sunday. Cause now not only do I get the Panthers game at noon on Sunday. Right. But, um, I'm also going to get, I don't know, the fucking Cowboys or something on Saturday, which is a game right. I normally wouldn't have gotten cause it's out of market for me. You know? Yeah. And maybe even go so far as you let everybody air like, two games both days as opposed to now where it's like CBS gets one and Fox gets two or Fox gets one and CBS gets two. And that's all market driven, whatever. But like, why not like really go for it, you know, and ask for a little bit more money from the broadcasting partners um, to help offset your, you know, your revenue. And I mean, like, and now we're going down a rabbit hole of things that fucking, you know, sports teams owners aren't going to do. But if you wanted to really like give back to the community, you know, cause sports teams always say, Oh, we're a community partner. Like maybe you dump that money just directly back into the, like the home cities, you know, right. it's like, all right, we're going to, you know, like, yeah, we're still going to take it in the teeth. Cause you know, like that, that revenue we're not getting from the gate. We're just going to donate that into a, a pool to support like local restaurants and bars and shit and get, you know, in, in NFL cities, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, so like, yeah, we know nobody's coming to the games, but because we're able to air, you know, five extra games a week now, because there's no college football that money's going to go into a pool and we're going to use it. You know, I, I don't know. You necessarily want to give it to local governments because those people are fucking criminals too. But uh, I think you're going to have the big teams have to make money for the smaller schools because like how long can these smaller and, and you know, you mentioned well, this before. Yeah. I, I think you see a lot of small programs go away. Yeah. Well, or, or you have the rest of the schools picking off where it's like, if they're the teams that they usually beat, it's like, Hey, how much do you need to, keep going uh so we'll, we'll um, figure it out but Can we take the, a break real quick um we're like are we are you live with it or this is live no no we're we're recording we're gonna all right so we're gonna take a quick two minute ba- break uh for station identification which isn't actually a thing that we do but uh it sounds good and uh we'll be back in a quick minute okay so we're back um everybody's feeling a little bit lighter a little bit better a little bit more focused um Probably should have used that as an opportunity to open my next beer so you didn't have to hear the can open. I suppose I could mute my microphone, but uh, 
let's face it, neither of those things is going to happen. Um, it felt like a good natural moving point. So we're going to kind of go into to our quarantine watch list. Um, and this isn't something that Adam and I have talked about too, too in depth in advance. Um, I doubt we're watching the same shit. And I don't even know if he's processing content at the same rate that I am. Probably so, not. Man, I'll tell you what, like. I've actually watched less TV since this happened. The, the only thing I'm on right now is Seinfeld. Like I, I've, I've finally been binging Seinfeld. So I'm like four seasons in. So did you brilliant. see he has a new special on Netflix? I did see that. I want to finish Seinfeld before I go to that. Like I, I, I want to sit down and watch that. I just saw it the other day. I'm like, well, this is something that deserves some of my attention. But the way yeah, he always said he, would, he's, he said that he would never do stand up again. Like he's like, I don't want to do stand-up. like you've heard him on like well, uh, he, riding he, in cars, getting coffee with comedians. Right. Well, and he even references it a little bit in the, the bumper on the Netflix preview. But uh, the problem is okay. that the wife is going to want to watch it. And um, whereas I have a shitload less to do because I don't leave my house for anything but work anymore um, and grocery shopping, like she's now homeschooling children and has decided to start a garden this year. And so she has less time on her hands. And so there's there's a growing list of things. It's like, oh, man we should watch that. And like, she just comes to bed and like immediately goes to sleep. So right. I haven't watched it yet, but that is, that is high on my list. It, it is. I'm, I'm excited for it. I mean, I love Jerry Seinfeld. I, I forgot how brilliant Larry David and, and uh, Jerry Seinfeld are. And I haven't even watched Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, I keep hearing about the latest season, how amazing it is, but I'd never watched Curb Your Enthusiasm. So, so I have to go the, back. The, the key with curb because there's just so damn much of it. Right. It's almost better to go online and find one of those lists. Oh, um, like what, what are the great, highlights? Greatest, greatest yeah. episodes and okay. like maybe watch those. But if you do that, then you can never go back and watch it all the way through. Cause the rest of it's going to be like, this is shit. Well, I mean, Larry David and, and Seinfeld have a very particular sense of humor. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I, I like it. I mean, I get it. It's hilarious. Cause, cause, it's, cause with this season of, of, of curb, what I'd heard is that it started off kind of slow and then finished strong because they just it doesn't always hit. You know what I mean? It's it's almost I like okay. I watched almost the first improv. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. I watched the first episode. It was brilliant. Like honestly, if that was the slow point, I can't wait for the rest because it was players. These complain about a fucking coffee table. It's like yeah. Uh, did you see that? So I haven't watched any of this season yet. When I decided that I was going to start watching it, I went all the way back to season one, episode one. Oh wow. Okay. Um, where Tony Danza still has dark hair. Not Tony Danza, um, Ted Danson. Oh, Ted Danson. Okay. Right. But um, Tony Danza is like, my God, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. I didn't know he's working again. He had a Netflix show that didn't really pan out. I tried to watch it and it wasn't good, but it came out like a year or two ago. Yeah. Um, where he's like a career criminal and his son's a police officer and just didn't. Fun fact was also a minor league player for the St. Louis Cardinals. I feel like that kind of came up, like, or at least like the minor league ball player kind of came up uh, on who's the boss. Yes, but they didn't say who. Oh. He played for the Cardinals. Okay. Just, you know. But um, so a lot of what uh, I'd say, I don't know, some of what I'm going to cover here, I think you've probably already seen. So you can kind of chime in on it because uh, after last week watching Kickbacks or Vengeance and really thinking, man, I'd really just rather watch Kickboxer and then discovering that. I don't have a package that allows me to watch that without paying money. And let's not get out of control here. Mm, oh yeah, I have, but yeah. like, I, I don't know that I'm going to, well, 
I'm not going to pay to watch Kickboxer. No, 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 no. That, nor, that, should that, nor should you. Nor should you. I'm not saying you. I wouldn't pay yeah. to watch some things, right. just not that. Especially since I've already seen it probably five or six times, right? Like, so it's not even like, oh, well, I've never seen it. It's worth the three bucks. I've seen it. I know what happens. I, I get that. But like when you haven't seen a movie and it's like That's, 20 bucks. And look, I have oh. the biggest remorse buying when I when I go to binge and buy things on, on Apple or Amazon. See, like, I just read. I'm not like, although like some of these rentals now, like with these like uh, direct to VOD. Yeah. Like, where it's like, oh, it's $20 to rent it. And I'm like, I get where your head's at. Right. Movie yeah. theaters aren't open right now. Uh-huh. 20 bucks is a shitload less than I'd pay to go see it in the theater. See, I feel like if it's $20, I should be able to own it. If I, after I run it, like I'm paying $20. Yeah. Just, like, that's, just that's, wait. Right. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. I'm wait a month and like, I'll pay the 20 bucks and then I can own it or I'll pay the three bucks. Like I was right. really excited to see today. HBO's got ad Astra coming out. Oh yeah. Um, early June. I really I want to see that. that. Yeah. Me too. Um, so like I was, I was getting close to breaking down and paying for it on Amazon and, mm-hmm. uh, I was watching the fuck was I watching today? Um, I watched something on HBO today, where I, I saw it as a as a commercial on there. I'm like, oh, oh, shit. for Ad Astra, yeah. I mean, it yeah. looks really um, good. Kind of reminds me of the idea you were talking to me about. The fuck was the other movie? Yeah, a little I bit. Today. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched so much fucking television today. It's it's inappropriate, and I can't remember what the first thing I watched was. Um, no, I watched like four movies today and now i can't remember what the first one i watched on hbo was um well i've been buying i've been buying stuff like last night get this so i've, I've been kind of on a string ever since it's happened i've been buying movies uh, i have a i have a new limit it has to be at least ten dollars or less i'm gonna buy it. like running yeah. it's you know two bucks three bucks five bucks seven bucks depending on what kind of movie it is and how new it is i'm not paying twenty dollars to run a movie like the kids want to watch trolls and i'm like i'm not paying yeah, you fucking twenty dollars to, to rent trolls to watch it once, and then you're going to maybe buy it again. Have you guys watched? When it comes out. Have you guys watched uh, Onward yet? Yes, yes, yeah, okay. on Disney Plus. Um, yeah, I think the only place you can see it. But yeah, exactly. Well, unless that's you a, pay that's for a good it. Follow up, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, and so I we bought the Adams Family, the cartoon, the new animated one. It's it's a fun show. It's great. I spent I twenty dollars. Twenty dollars. The very next day, it was ten dollars. I was Dude, pissed. You, you should have told me, man, because I, I got a free pissed. copy of that movie at a hockey game, and we still haven't oh. taken it out of the plastic. <laughs> I was so I pissed. I could have mailed cause... it to you for three. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, but we have it on digital now, and so now it's all over the house. You know, they can watch it on their iPads. They can watch it on, you yeah. know, laptops or the TV. Uh, I mean, which With surprisingly, the, the, kids, the kids have a 50-inch TV, right? Like, they have a TV to watch. They would rather watch things on their tiny little iPad. It boggles my mind. Don't even have the TV on in the background, which I love because it's not wasting energy and making me pay for it. But they still, they watch so much on, on the iPads. It's like, well, you have a TV. Like, why would you? It, it's because they're both watching their own things. Like they got their headsets in. Right, yeah. It, a little bit more personalized content, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know. No, so um, I don't really, like, occasionally I'll rent something because I really, really want to see it. Like, I did that, I think, with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I really wanted to see that before the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we're paying for stars because my wife watches that um, Outlander. Oh, yeah. I'm a fan I th- of that. I think we have stars, too. Um, it's like like we pay, like, seven bucks a month. Yeah. Shit on, on Amazon. It's like Hulu or Netflix. Yeah. Well, we, have, we pay for stars. 
um because she wanted the current seasons oh, okay. still airing episodes so to get yeah. the, the current episodes you have to have the a stars subscription okay. on, on one of however many platforms i'm sure you can get it on the itunes store and wherever oh yeah because i've been watching the news since so, the car you know but i've got i've got stars i've got hbo I've got Netflix, I've got Hulu, I've got Amazon Prime, and I feel like I'm missing one, but I can't think of what that might be. Disney Plus? Disney Plus, there you go, that's the other one. Um, So with all of that, it's like, I I don't need to really pay more money for movies. Like, I've got a pretty wide, you know, and if I really can't find anything I want to watch, maybe I just should, like, get off my ass and do something productive with my life. (laughs) <laughs> or you know i've got like i'm, I'm yeah, playing um i'm playing witcher 3 right now i'm playing uh nhl and um i'm playing the new tom clancy the division well new um the expansion came out in march um so oh. like season two of a game that came out last year um you know i'm kind of like grinding my way through that so it's like i don't necessarily need and, you know like if i rent a movie it's because we're all gonna watch it Right. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, it's a family movie. You know, and again, like, like say trolls, if you could rent it for three bucks, all right, it's Friday night. I'll spend the three bucks and like everybody in the house will watch the movie. But you know, if it's just me, I probably don't need to spend the extra money. And like I said, I've got so much television that I'm working on right now. We're not even going to talk about like what I've got sitting, you know, on deck that I haven't started yet. haven't mm-hmm. finished yet. Or like, I want to go back and rewatch the boys, you know? Um, oh Yeah. Because the preview for that just came out for season two, um, so yeah, that looks good. It looks it looks like another winner. Oh yeah, no, for sure. So at any rate, um, I've been watching Happy. Um, oh is, yeah, that's such a great show. What what a weird, wacky, crazy, out there, off the wall. And like, wall. And like it, every it, time, like things, it's like it's like this is getting out of hand. It's like oh right, this is a TV show about a guy like a grown ass man. With an imaginary friend who's a blue <laughs> unicorn with wings, voiced by Patton yeah. Oswald. Uh-huh. There, yeah. there are no rules. Yeah, like, this can be absolutely as insane as it wants to be. So I've been watching yeah. that. Um, I've really been enjoying that. Finally, finally uh, dug into Rick and Morty. Which, oh, okay, <laughs> that's funny uh, shit. I've not think, gotten into that show. Like, if you liked Happy, you'll like Rick and Morty. Um, oh, okay. Like it's really. Oh no! It's 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 Back to the Future on meth. Oh wow! Like it's, okay. if you took Back to the Future, Doctor Who, packaged it up. That's what I was watching. Them all, had them all smoke meth. Like that is Rick and Morty. Um, we were watching Back to the Future trilogy the other day. That's on Netflix. Which is which is a good call. Yeah. Um. So Rick and Morty. If you have if you're one of like the twelve adults in America, like myself, who hasn't seen it yet, and you got a twisted sense of humor, um. Like that show, it's just so weird. It really is. Sometimes you, you're sitting there watching. It's, it's you'd almost believe that they're just sitting there in like the sound stage, and the vocal actors are just going for it, like just saying whatever pops into their heads, and then someone has to animate against it later. Brilliant. But that being yeah. said, they've had Christian Slater on there. They've had <laughs> yeah. Su- Susan Sarandon did an episode. Oh wow! Okay. Like I mean, like you, like um, Nate Fillion did an episode. Like oh, there's all these like okay. top tier actors. Your, your best friend. And, yeah. Oh yeah. Nate feeling top tier. <laughs> like, you okay. can't say that he's not a top tier talent. Like I get that he's not like a like A lister. Yeah. I I would argue that he is top like, class know, guy. Yeah. I know that he's not he like hops. a you know like the top of like you know f- the film industry. He's not like an you know right. like an Anthony Hopkins or anything like that. But man, yeah. Look at how long that guy's been on TV. Like he did Firefly, which was granted a cult classic. Yeah. 
right? Like only did one season, but didn't was, get the credit. It probably was, was su- super popular amongst fans. Mm-hmm. And then he went from that to cat, um, to castle, which was on for like a gajillion years. And then he yeah. went from that to the rookie, which is finishing up its second year. I mean, like he's been on television pretty consistently for over a decade. Oh, he's you a know? working actor. Like he's and, a like, perfect, and, like... And, and he does it in, in prime time slots. You know what I mean? Like he's like, you know, anchoring lineups. He's TV royalty. He is television yeah, so, royalty. You know, like, like I get, like I said, it's not quite the same as getting Anthony Hopkins on your show, but uh, I mean, it's, right. it's, it's still a pretty big get. You know? Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, um, Nate, well, and he is a very good actor, like, for, for, you know, yeah. the, the show. the parts he that he plays, like, I'd, I'd say he's, like, he's more of a character actor, which is kind of the difference mm-hmm. between him, like, and a Brad Pitt and a, and a Susan Sarandon or an Anthony Hopkins, where, like, they can just play the fuck out of a role. Right. Um, but, you know, like, the roles that he does play, like, he does really good. Yeah, he knocks um, them out. Well, he knows his brand. You know, like, he plays similar characters yeah, well I'm like i don't know how much of that is him picking the right roles and how much of that is is good casting work by good the agent. casting director right yeah you know like and his agent i mean there's a lot of people that go to putting you in the right spots yep i think he had a lot more to do with the rookie um because i think he's a producer on that but like his initial role on castle like that was somebody knew what they were doing um <laughs> so anyway oh, Rick you know and Morty, like the cameos on that man like well can you ever go wrong with friends I guess not. I mean, I, I bought it last night because it, it's been the TV so like, show. I did the series because it's it's normally a hundred dollars. It was forty nine ninety nine on sale for all the seasons. Or did, it, did it fall off of Netflix? Yeah, it fell off Netflix like a year ago. Yeah, well, or, I watched uh, the whole thing like a, a while like ago. A year and a half ago, whatever it was. Yeah, um, yeah. Like once it left Netflix, like I watched it like one time all the way through before it left, and I was like. Well, I just won't see it again, and then I'm because I'm like I'm not going to spend hundred, two hundred dollars on a Blu-ray set or whatever, right. and then for forty nine. Yeah, no, that. I, yeah. So Friends doesn't hold up quite as well for me in certain ways. Like it's still oh. funny, but when yeah. Friends came out, like I was in high school, which was you know over two decades ago, um, and so like when I watched it the first time, it's just, it's a different experience because the first time you're like these are some cool motherfuckers. Like these are some people living in like Manhattan, like, you know, fucking killing it. Right. Like these, these are the cool people right. in New York that everybody wants to be. And now watching it, like when I went back right. and watched it like a year or two ago, you know, I've been married for, for over 10 years. I've got three kids, you know, I've finished two decades at the same job. And it's like, this is a bunch of kids that don't have their shit together. Like these are some fucking idiots. You know, and now it's almost right, more yeah, like a comedy yeah. of people who oh, don't yeah. have their shit together. Whereas the first time you watched it, it was like really cool people going through some shit. It's like, no, this is all self-inflicted because you're a fucking idiot. The same thing I think can be said for The Office, Parks and Rec, Jerry, you know, Seinfeld. You will, like talk, all those you shows. will talk no shit about Parks and Rec to me. Um, no, I mean, but no, like, but like what you said, Ron going back, Swanson taking time. is the perfect American and you need to calm the fuck down. <laughs> All right, George. Um, but seriously, it's and again, and that's a, a reference when somebody's getting a little too close, you call them the wrong name, which is what Ron would do. Um, I don't know if you caught people, that reference or not, but see, well, you'd been talking about Seinfeld earlier. I thought it was some sort of Costanza reference. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. You no, specifically no. went with George, no. but I like where your head's at. 
<laughs> no, it was more of a Ron Swanson if thing. Picked, like, if you'd gone with Brian, I probably would have caught it much quicker. Now, now yeah, since we're on yeah. the topic of Parks and Rec, another thing I watched this week is, did you watch the Parks and Rec special? I did not get to, no. Um, did you, you know there was a Parks and Rec, Rec special? Until you special. told me. Um, yeah, so it's on Hulu. And like they did it as a... Uh, a fundraiser for food food banks. Okay. Um, so like throughout the whole thing, it's, you know, they got the little the tag at the bottom with the QR code and then like the website and whatever. Right. Um, it's for like right. a national food bank. So I imagine you donate and it'll, you know, go all over the place. So it's not like, oh, I'm donating and it's all going to California. Shouldn't yeah. I be donating <laughs> to the one down the street from my house, right? Or in um, New York. Um, so, um, but the whole thing essentially is uh, Leslie Nope is now the national parks director. Her husband's a, like a sitting congressman, I think like house Mm -hmm. of representatives. And so the whole thing is just like her trying to keep her shit together, like, and like still run her department, but keep in touch with all of her friends and make sure everybody's okay at home during the pandemic. So it's just a series of, um, and like, uh, I don't know if you remember the show on, but grizzle was like the big internet company. (laughs) It was like, it was like the Google equivalent. So essentially, yeah. it's like all done on Google. The different al- uh, workaholics was in it. He played. Yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. yeah, the guy with yeah. the frizzy hair. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they got like pretty much the whole cast to come back, like right down to Paul Rudd. Um, oh, wow. They got him wow. to come back and do the intro real fast. Um, but they, you know, like the whole main cast was there, um, uh, including Schwartz. And um, so they, you know, like the whole thing is just like the grizzle chats which of course is Google Hangouts, but um, mm-hmm. it's just a series of chats of them, you know, like all checking in to make sure everybody's doing okay and their mental health's all right. And, you know, like the way they explain it, you know, of course, um, like Les- Leslie's husband went home with the kids, but she had to stay in DC to, you know, do the national parks. And um, then, you know, like uh, Anne and Rob Lowe are in different parts of the house because Anne's gone back to work as a nurse. As a nurse so she's got to be segregated from the rest of her family. Uh, Chris they're Pratt's in Michigan, character. right? They're, their yes. characters are in Michigan. Yes. Yeah. They went back to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris, Chris Pratt's character has locked himself in a shed because he went out <laughs> to get something like three days earlier. And so like his wife's uh, in the house and he's locked in the shed doing it off of his phone. Um, uh, you know, like, I mean, like they come up with a little something for everything. And then like um, that's hilarious. Nick Offerman. Yeah. And now I can't remember his wife's name, but his ex-wife on the show is his real life wife. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Tammy, like, there's a, Tammy one. Yeah, so he's got like Tammy tied. He's got Tammy too tied up in his shop. Like it turns out she's been stalking us for days now. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> right, I gotta see. Don't, don't don't ruin it for me. I gotta, gotta watch like, this. I gotta, how long is this thing? It's like twenty minutes. Like, oh, they so it is like, like a twenty. But it's like, all like done through Zoom meetings, right? Ex- exactly. Okay, um, yeah. You know, so it like it really is. It's it's a fun little watch. Like if you enjoyed the show, like it really is just kind of a little bright spot in your week. Um, you know, like to kind of go back and spend some time with those characters and and you know, like you know, just kind of like. And I'm going to segue this into. Um, I don't know if you watched uh, some good news. With uh, I have not. I, I've heard of it. I have not seen. Crap. Uh, no, John Krasinski's Krasinski, work yeah. on it. Yeah, John Krasinski. Yeah. So I haven't seen this week, but. Um, which like the next episode comes out tomorrow. So I should get my life together. But uh, like that, like is another great example of someone like I have some time on my hands and people listen to shit that I have to say. Right. And I'm going to use that as an opportunity to, you know, even like the average show he does is like 15, 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. but it's just 15 to 20 minutes of like good things that are happening in the world right now. 
that yeah. don't suck balls because just yeah, yeah. about everything you see right now. I saw the first one with Steve Carell. I'm sorry, take it yeah. back. I saw the first um, one with Carell. He's had uh, De Niro on there now, I think. He's had oh, Brad wow. Pitt on there. The last okay. episode they did like cooking at home. Is, so is they, this like, on Hulu? No, no, this is on like, he does it on like Twitter or some shit. Like oh, wow. I get him on Facebook. Like I follow him on Facebook and then I just get it in my, like, you know how you get the little videos? Like yeah. you have this many videos that have played since the last time you checked in. So I just get it on there, but you can go to his Facebook page and they're, you know, they're right there. But he had, okay. um, Guy Fieri, um, who was it? Uh, Guy Fieri, Martha Stewart and, uh, Stanley Tucci. Oh, wow. And then he picked like three recipes that people would like put up online is like, here's like a pandemic drink or here's like my mom's, you know, like whatever, like one of them is like a Polish recipe. And so then he has like the famous chef recreate that person's dish and then talk to that person and tell them what they thought of it. <laughs> um, and so of course they're all, you know, like, I mean, you know, great moment, whatever. And they, and then there was another guy that I didn't recognize. So there's four all together. And then he gets to Fieri and Fieri is um, one of a handful of chefs that I've, I've heard about lately where they're, you know, pushing a lot of effort into like feeding first responders or feeding mm -hmm. like employees of restaurants who are now unemployed and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so Fieri's been raising money and um, he'd gotten like $73,000 or something like that. Like, I mean, he had like a big chunk of cash together. Yeah, and so bad. at the end, uh, Krasinski's like, yeah, you know, so we wanted to try and put you, push you over the mark. And I, I talked to my friends at Pepsi and they're going to get you over a hundred K they're donating $27,000. Wow. To, you know, get you to the next level. I mean, dude almost cries, right? Yeah. Um, so like I said, it's just, it's all good stuff. Um, and was probably one of the things where it's like, yeah, maybe I should go back to throwing some content out in the world. And it's certainly not as a uh, happier as well, like seen, as uh as what he's doing because i don't maybe have the same star power on my facebook page or my twitter account but um well he he, yeah. he was on one of the most popular television shows of all time so i mean and well and then he made the quiet place which was things. super popular and well received and now he's doing john Cla uh tom clancy tom Cl yeah jack tom ryan yeah jack um, ryan hey, let me ask I, you this do you think krasinski made a mistake not accepting the role of the play captain American when it was offered to him. Think how much money he would have made from that. How much good could he have done in the world as Captain America? I mean, good God. You know he was their first choice, right, before Chris Evans? Right. Um, I think it worked out for him. You know, you, you think it would have or don't? No. Um, well, I mean, I think not choosing not to do it. Um, I think, I think it's good for everybody involved in the end. It allowed him to kind of start doing some of his own stuff. Like he'd already banked enough. Um, like, I think that's what he wanted to do. He didn't want to go to that mainstream. He wanted to make his own films. Yeah, Cause like I mean, he's like, a writer, it, director now. It yeah. makes your life a lot harder when you're doing those movies. Like it really does make you like, it locks you in a little bit for a little while. Oh, um, absolutely. That's why yeah. have you seen knives out yet? Oh, absolutely. Like Chris Evans, like that was a really good role choice for him. Cause yes. it's so different from captain america and it really does kind of get after his range mm -hmm. um in a way that like uh snow is that what it was oh yeah um, snow like, yeah which was a good movie in its own right but it didn't quite i think like package him in a way to give him that like kind of breakout like i really can do other things right um it was just a darker version of like the good guy saving the people in snow like it really was kind of back into the same like hero mold and he like, you know, 
can plays a completely different character in Knives Out, but um, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I watched the new Rambo movie this week, which was dark as fuck. There's Did a new Rambo it? movie, Last Blood. Like is Stallone in it? Yeah. Like didn't know that I, was that? I think it's thing. on Amazon, man. You can probably check it out on there. Um, but yeah, he's Stallone got, was in it. Yeah, he's John Rambo, man. Uh, fighting drug dealers, like. And on the one hand, it's like, man, this is super fucking dark, but it's called Rambo last blood. Cause it's the last, you know, it's presumably the last one. And then yeah. I thought about it. I'm like, see, I'm thinking it's way darker than it should be for a Rambo movie because like everything with the title Rambo in it was just him murdering people usually in like Southeast Asia, you know? Yeah. yeah. But like, if you go back and look at first blood, like the original Rambo movie, um, you know, or the one that wasn't called Rambo um, and really had very little to do with all the other movies other than it was the same title character. Um, that was a super dark movie about, you know, returning Vietnam veterans and like the way they were received by communities and all the shit they were going through. It's like, no, no, this is kind of on point for first blood. It's just, you know, but uh, I enjoyed it. Like, you know, he did a pretty decent job with it. The um, like the, the younger woman they have in it, she was a little, yeah, but, um, again, another, another reference to, um, Parks and Rec every, every time I hear Rambo. Cause like, I didn't even know there was a new Rambo movie coming out, which tells you everything you probably need to know about Rambo movies at this point in stage in life. But uh, the only thing I remember is, is when they were running for office or, or when Leslie's running for office, uh, Andy starts to act out Rambo the the latest one in 2008 because right. they because he cut the because he didn't pay the cable and he's in Paris and he's like huh, somebody forgot to pay the cable <laughs> and then he's like oh yeah that was me and then he's like acting out this and he's like what do you think you're coming here changing you know the lives in the jungle and everything you think you're gonna do anything like yeah we're here to change the world and make it better he's like you got any guns no you're not changing a damn thing yeah, like he's. You remember that him acting yeah. the movie a little bit. No, I remember yeah, that it, episode. It reminds me of that. I don't know. It's hard for me to look at Stallone and like, Russell and watch. all those. That, that he's doing another um, Demolition Man makes me a little uncomfortable. Oh my god, that is like that doesn't need to happen. Scary. It's scary. Although I do know it's how scary. to use the three seashells now, so I feel like that takes me a whole extra step. <laughs> How do you use the damn three C-cells? I've got a visual. Fuck you. To you. Go fuck yourself. I'm just going to be an asshole. <laughs> go suck a dick. Go suck your dick. Go fuck yourself. I'm going to just keep. Like, the original Demolition Man was, like, like, was a it's great brilliant. action flick. Yeah. And I used that to parlay into my, my next, the, ne- the, the one I couldn't remember that I watched on HBO. Um, the first movie I watched today um, was John Wick 3. And just like, fuck, was that a bad movie? I don't like, know. I, I mean, yeah, sure. Like, like, like I get what you're saying. Oh, well, it was an action movie. Mm-hmm. Demolition Man was an action movie. I enjoyed that. Well, it's movie like, so, so Rambo's good, but John Wick, yeah, I, I guarantee you John Wick was much better. It probably did better at the box Rambo. office, but Americans are dumb. So I don't really use that as a yardstick. Um, I'm just saying, go watch Last Blood. Okay. Um, like I, you know, like, like give it a fair shake. You sure. know, like, it is what it is. Um, I said it's a lot darker 
than I really expected. Like I expected more of a John Wick type, like Alex Stallone's going to beat the fuck out of some people for two hours. Cool. And that's not what it was. Um, like I just like their technical advisor should be fired on John Wick. Like there was just some shit in there that just, it didn't. Well, we don't know what the situation could have been. It could have been a producer be like, Hey, no, I want this. And it's like, somebody's like, that doesn't make any sense. It's it, that is impossible. Well, but like or, I said, like you he's, know, you know, he's sitting there like professionals. He's, he's sitting there like ro- rolling five rounds at a time into a fucking shotgun. Like they make so many different kinds of magazines you can put in shotguns these days. You're going to tell me high end assassins are still ro- loading like three into a fucking pipe, pipe mag. Um, yeah. like, I, I, I disagree with your assessment of the situation and the whole deal where he like builds his own 4570 out of a, out of like a cult pistol at the beginning of the movie. If you had yeah. all the parts in a pistol that would fire that round, just put it in the other fucking gun. You're a professional. Like, get your shit, get your fucking life together here, bud. And like I said, when the when the Japanese See, but, like, but a handful like, of people boys, have that knowledge, man. Like, but when you're he would have he would have had that knowledge. That's my point. He, the writer didn't have that better. knowledge. The writer was like, "This sounds." Which is cool. which He's is gonna why, have to take a gun. Which is why I blame the technical advisor, right? Like, right. no, but who's gonna? Who, so a technical advisor is gonna go over to the right or to the producer and say, "Hey, it's, it's, you know what? You know what would happen? This here's the conversation. Technical advisor comes over, and be like, hey, you realize that's not possible, right? And then the producer's gonna turn around and say, you realize none of this is real, right? It's a movie. No, if you want, we'll go to the. It's not that it's not possible. Right. But what I'm saying is like, so he has a revolver and the round is too long. Mm-hmm. Right. So he takes the barrel and, and the, um, the cylinder off and like builds in a barrel and a cylinder from another gun. When he could have put the bullet in the cylinder in that gun. chambered yeah. for that yeah. round. Yeah. Like you, you just, you changed the handle to fire. But maybe, the, maybe the firing gun. pin didn't work, you know? We'll never know because he doesn't <laughs> check it. Right. Like, yeah. It just, it, it's irritating. It's like, if this guy's supposed to be the biggest badass on the planet, and then the whole thing where, like, he's got to go to the desert to meet a guy that just wanders around the desert, like, the fuck was that? Oh. Like, that was dumb, and Holly Berry was just absolute dog shit. And then, like I said, like, you're this worldwide terrorist organization, and, like, your answer, like, I get, like, okay, you excommunicate John Wick, and you kill that motherfucker, but then you go and try and take out three other like key leaders in your organization, like, and all those people, like the amount of infrastructure damage they did to their own corporation, like killing everyone in the Bowery, right. And murdering half of the employees at the continental. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't do you any good. Like how the fuck is that helpful? Zero tolerance in like, a totalitarian government. <laughs> like, like the one that made sense is they go to, um, Oh shit. What's her name? Um, Morticia Adams, Angelica Houston. Right. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And they like, they, they stab her through the hands and that's her penance. That makes fucking sense. Right. Right. Other than the fact that they murdered like 57 different employees. It's like, I don't think you understand how like the criminal element works. Like one, these guys are not terribly replaceable because there's only so many bottom feeders available with that kind of training at any given time. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like you've just set your organization back 50 years. Right, like. Well, you made a part of your organization weak to where they can't threaten you. Right, but they did it to three separate parts, right? Like, and like because they all because they all helped John Wick. Right, but again, like you can't do that and stay relevant. Like you've created a power vacuum across the city of New York, 
Like that's how somebody else moves in. It's like, Cause again, like, like I'm saying, like you, you look at things um, like special forces in the, in, in the military, like those, one of their big tenants is, you know, like you can't manufacture these skills on short notice. You have to build it in advance long-term. You have to plan ahead by decades to have the force you want when you need it. They just murdered like their entire New York syndicate. That's like, it's going to take them 50 years to get that back to the same operational level for fucking what? Like that doesn't do anybody any fucking good. I mean, but does war do, do anyone good? You know, like you go back to Germany, both in world war one and two, they thought they could do it. And it's like, and how did that work out though? That's my whole point. Like, it's like, it didn't work out well for them because bad, bad guys lose. Is- bad guys lose because they end up making the wrong choice somewhere along the line. The good guys are like, Hey, that's the one thing I'm we just saying to you do kill one guy, this. you punish two others and then you fucking, you yeah. move on with your life. Like instead you murdered like three entire, you know, that'd be like if Jeff Bezos is unhappy with what's going on in Cleveland. Instead of like firing the guy in charge in Cleveland, he fires the guy in charge in Cleveland, fires all the employments, employees, sets the warehouse on fire and then looks for a new real estate. Like that doesn't make any fucking sense. I mean, it also doesn't make sense what Universal did when they came out and touted how much money they were making, you know, without going into theaters with trolls. Wilder. <laughs> and now, and now AMC is like, hey, you know what? Fun face. <laughs> you cool. need a bag of dicks. I you saw that. I love that. You can go bend over and, and take it where the sun don't shine because you're not going to be making any money theaters and now universal is going to have to be like netflix unless unless universal goes back with the tail between their legs be like hey we'll give you our cut you know i i I think this could actually be good for movie theaters long term if if, when they come back like and i'm just i'm speculating here but universal once theaters come back right isn't going like i get the pdo model and like yeah like everybody's probably going to push a little bit more into that but like Star Wars is never going to be a PDO franchise. You know what I mean? Like the big summer blockbusters, like the tentpole movies, mm-hmm. like they still need to go to theaters. And yeah. with the exception of maybe Disney, and even they're going to be hurting a little bit when this is over, mm-hmm. um, just because the, the parks took such a big hit. But yeah, like Universal isn't going to be able to compete like if they can't be in theaters. And more specifically, if they can't be in AMC theaters, because what is it like 60% of all theaters in the US are AMC or some shit like that? It's an insane yeah. number. Yeah. But, but I mean, um, they could do on demand. They could do like Netflix well, but, and Amazon. They could stream their own thing. They could but start they, they can't do it at the same monetary level. It's too late to get in that game. Right. Like they, you know, like it, it's going to hurt their bottom line. So then they're going to have to go back and essentially say, like, all right, you know, like we'll take less of a cut from tickets mm-hmm. if you let us show your movies, you know, if, you, if you'll start screening our movies again. Well, then what, what AMC can do, and this may be what they were thinking when they like absolutely drove it home this hard, then AMC can go back to like Warner Brothers and be like, yeah, so we were going to put the new Justice League movie on five screens this weekend, but because of the revenue split, it's actually better for us to have more screens with the Universal shit in there and maybe just not make quite as much money off of your movie because we mm-hmm. screen it you know, two theaters less over the weekend. But because we keep more, it's a better financial advantage. And now Warner Brother has to agree to a, a more, you know, theater friendly split. 
Well, I mean, theaters are in trouble. Like you well, that, talk, that's you, that's you, what I'm saying. Like this, this yeah. could really be an opportunity for them to 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 pull a little bit of reset the system to, to yeah, reset the market. Yeah, because you know Universal is going to have to kind of wholesale. Um, and if Universal is still putting out decent product and they're doing it at a wholesale, um, then everybody else is going to have to start looking at maybe doing the same thing, where they're not yeah. going to screen as many theaters. And if they're not screening as many theaters, then they're just not going to take in as much period. And so, yeah, maybe they're getting a better split than what they would otherwise get if they took like the universal deal. They're still going to make less because there's fewer tickets to buy. Right. I, and that's pure speculation. But um, right. I, I, could, I could see that definitely affecting the market. I don't see how it couldn't. I mean, everything at this point is going to be affected to, to some extent. Right. Uh, I mean, there's going to be long, big logistical and financial backups that are going to take place because of this. Like everyone's going to be hurt a bit. Nobody's getting out of this un unscathed. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, even um, like, like even like federal agencies, you know, where you'd think like, Oh, well, it's the government though. Like they actually ramped up a lot of things during this and there's going to be a lot of work to be done. Right. There's also going to be less tax revenue to go around for a little bit. And so they may have the work to do, but they're not going to have the money to pay employees. So I don't think anybody gets out of this without seeing a negative downturn. Absolutely. I mean, so kind of, you know, we've been talking about a lot of different movies and shows and, and you know, Parks and Rec. I have, I don't know what your big pick is. I have a couple, um, but Vivarium, have you heard anything about this? Movie? Nope. Have I have no idea what you're talking about. It is one of the top rentals uh, ever since this thing kicked off. That and Contagion. But it actually plays <laughs> ours. Sick um, Jesse Eisenberg okay. and uh, uh, Emojin Hoots. Do they are a is? couple. Uh, she's, a, she's a new actress. She's been in a few things. Um, okay, that's a girl's name. All right. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So she was in Green Room. Uh, oh, she was in 28 Weeks Later as Tammy. It's been so long since I've seen that. That doesn't mean anything to me, but okay. She, she's she's been in a few things. Like she's right. had. A, I'm just a, saying a, I, I I can't place her. I'll have to look it up later. Trying to see what she was really big. Oh, you know she was in Pop Star with uh, uh what's his name? Don't think I saw Andy Andy Sandberg. Um. Oh. But anyway. You know what I, I'm about? I, no, I I heard somebody talking about Pop Star the other day. They're like, you absolutely need to pay the three dollars to watch that shit on, on to iTunes or whatever. Cause those are great, man. I watched all the other Long Island productions or whatever it is. Whatever <laughs> you know, like the yeah, the tennis one, the, the cycling one, the the baseball one. Like those things, not SNL. Um, he's done like they're like mockumentaries. Were what the other three were, and so one was about like this tennis matchup, and then one was like totally making fun of all the guys like oh yeah for, for cycling. Um, yeah. And then the other one was about Conseco and McGuire. Um, like when they really got into steroids. And, and, and what company is this? Long Island what? I, I can't remember. It's it's like it's it's Sandberg's like vanity project production house. Like pop, oh, okay. they did pop star as well. It's um I'll see if I can find the name of it real quick here. But um yeah, it's it's his kind of like studio that he does these like, you know, just really juvenile comedies out of. Well, to, to get back to Vivarium. So Vivarium is, uh, it's about a young couple that's thinking about buying their starter home. And to this end, they visit a real estate agent 
agency where they are received by a strange sales agent who accompanies them to a new mysterious peculiar housing development to show them a single family home. There they get in a surreal mace-like nightmare. So they live in a labyrinth of like neighborhoods, identical houses. Everything is dropped off and shipped to them and put into their, on their doorway, their doorstep. Then they get baby sent to them. They're meant to raise the kid in confinement there. It is absolutely bonkers. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I have not watched it yet, mainly because of the situation of being quarantined. It's like, I don't need to be more depressed right, right now. Um, so, but it did look like a very exciting, thrilling film. You know what I mean? Right. And I love Jesse Eisenberg. I think anything that he goes into is uh, so, you know, worth um, watching. What was it? Uh, Batman versus Superman. Um, oh, yeah. Like, Eisenberg. I thought he was a shit Lex Luthor. Really? Um, but I thought he was a great villain. Mm. Like, that's what I said about that at the time. I'm like, I don't know what villain they had Eisenberg playing in that movie. It wasn't Lex Luthor, mm-hmm. right? Like it wasn't like the, 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 the character they put together for him to play and like the direction he got to like, you know, how it was like the, the, like the script notes and all that shit. Like I, I really do put a lot of that on the writing and the direction. Like it wasn't Lex Luthor. It didn't feel like Lex Luthor to me. But right. if you'd have called him anything else, he's a hell of a fucking villain. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he was a good villain. He was a great just, bad guy. Like he killed the role they asked him to do. They just shouldn't have called him Lex Luthor. They should have right. named him anything else. You know what I mean? Like that was really my feeling. I'm like, man, I really love the part he played there. I just, I don't like what they called that part, you know? But, but see at, at how much, at, at what point, because of what we're used to or the fan base is used to when it comes to, you know, um, superhero films or shows like at what point, because, you know, when you're making something, you're always wanting to do it different. You know, it's like, even when you you see a remake, you can't go and expecting it to be anything like the original. If you grew up loving that or liking it, because I guarantee you the writer, directors, producers, actors are not wanting to do what had already been done because then there's no point. You're wanting to take a different angle, a different cut, doing something different. You know what I mean? So like, and I can respect that, but uh, like, so I I guess the way I'd look at that though is um, the Joker, right? There's another iconic villain. Played a lot of different ways. Cesar Romero killed it for the way he was asked to do it. Jack Nicholson, fucking awesome Joker. Right. But Jack Nicholson's Joker wouldn't have worked in the in the Dark Knight series, right? Like it would have felt out of place, and Cesar Romero would have felt weird in the Michael Keaton movies. But Heath Ledger was fucking amazing. In, well, you have two different Isaac. completely visionaries no, no, but I'm telling saying, I'm the story saying, with Burton. And- but, no, but what I'm saying is like all three versions of the Joker were very distinct and different. Yes. And all three were very good. Yeah. And then now I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy that did it for um, Suicide Squad. Um, oh, Jared yeah. Leto. Uh, Jared Leto. Like Jared Leto's Joker was fucking terrible. Like there was nothing about that character that felt like the Joker. Okay. You know, like the Joker wouldn't have tattoos. That's fucking weird. His whole thing is anarchy, right? His whole thing is, is, is everything being temporary and fleeting and destructive and change. 
mm-hmm. tattoos are permanent. Tattoos are, are, are statements locked in time that are resent, representative of like what a person feels or thinks or believes or made as a poor decision while they're drinking. But it, it's, it's meant to be an outward statement of permanence, you know, and that doesn't jive with someone who's completely locked into destruction and anarchy and constant change, mm-hmm. which is what the Joker is on all, on, in all versions. Like even go back and look at the Mark Hamill version, right? Like, like he's just fucking... You know, even when there's a plan, it's all kind of like fluid, you know, it's just he does what he wants to do when he does it, you know? Yeah. And like, so having a character like, you know, like has like damage tattooed on his body. The Joker doesn't think he's damaged. He thinks he's the only motherfucker in the room that knows what's going on. Everybody else is broken, you know? Yeah. And, and, and he goes out of his way to break them further. Right. Like that's, you know, that's how he gets his kicks. So to have like that kind of permanence attached to like such a key part of who he is it doesn't make sense and then that he dives into the vat to save harley quinn like that's he doesn't care about her that's the whole the whole point of the relationship between the joker and harley did he save her though i mean like she was gonna be fine anyway he pushed her in like she was tied up she was gonna drown like she was gonna die in that vat and he jumps in he pulls her up and drags her out i didn't know she was tied up I didn't. I thought she. She just was drunk because he, he's he's walking away and then he stops and he goes back for her. Right. Whether she would have died or not is inconsequential. The point is he went back for her. Yeah. And then he goes back for her again when she gets abducted. She's not that important to him. Like that's the whole problem. Like that's the whole point of the flashback in that movie where, in her head, she's like, at some point we're gonna get a house and settle down and we're gonna be a family. And she's completely in love with what she thinks he is. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't give a shit at all. And that's like really like the cornerstone of how like dark and abusive that relationship is. And what makes Harley's character so tragic right? is that she thinks things are going to get better. And he barely notices she exists. And there's even like a, one of the comic book iterations where he's got like, like he throws her in a, a room in the basement and it's just full of dead bodies dressed up in these jester outfits. Cause it turns yeah. out Harley Quinn is replaceable. Like there's been other iterations for, of her and he's going to kill this one at some point and he's going to go. But that comic other. book was a later version too, like from the nineties. Right. Um, like, but my, my point is that like, yeah, like she's, you know, completely inconsequential to him. Yeah. And the nineties is really when Harley started to show up because older. But doesn't it depend on what iteration you follow of the story? Do you know what I mean? Like there's but, different, but, like how many different Spider-Mans are there? How many different Batmans I, I, I are there? I get that. But like, he's just, he doesn't care that much about her. And like right. his entire role in suicide squad is about trying to get Harley back. Right. Like that's his sole, sole focus in it now. But uh, maybe it's not an infatuation that he needs her back. Maybe it's just like, that's his lucky charm. You know what I mean? Like it's not so much. But again, now you're, now the, you're back to a concept of permanence for a guy who thrives on constant change. Chaos. Right. You know, um, the only acceptable explanation for this, um, that, okay. All right, everybody. Welcome back from the break. Um, for those of you who aren't aware, uh, you just missed like an hour and a half of content because uh, Adam and I were under the impression we were recording. And because I don't understand what the red circle means versus the double bars, we were in fact not recording at all. So for the second time, we're going to go through and uh, give you our pop culture stuff. Um, moving on from sports. We felt like it was a good natural break. So I'm going to kind of give you my recce's of the week, what it is that I've been watching, what I like, what I, what I'm going to save you some time on having watched it for you and knowing is bad. And I'm going to toss it over to Adam. He's going to do the same for you. 
And then we're going to close it out with some, what I felt was some pretty big Star Wars movie that, or Star Wars news that was um, covered in a way that I felt was not appropriate for what it was. So I'm sorry, a little, little gas there. But um, so I'm going to go into it real quick. Uh, shows that I've been watching that I really enjoyed this week, Happy, um, which is a show about a guy with a imaginary friend voiced by Patton Oswalt. It's weird. It's out there. It's strange. It's a lot of fun. And it really fits. Somewhat family oriented. I guess not even a little family oriented, not even, not even a little. I meant the story itself. Like there it's a, no, it's a a parent. You you can't put this anywhere near your children and most well. Oh no, 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 no. Horrifying. No, I don't mean that. I meant like there's a family story. There's a, there's a sentimental family story within the confines of, of why Happy's doing what he's doing, right? Like protect, you know, going to find his daughter, save his daughter from this no, that's, Santa Claus. Okay. It, it, it's a story about a family for sure. And a, and a yeah. dad, like kind of like. That's what I meant by it's family sure. oriented. But, uh, I, I didn't but, mean but like, you know. You should not watch this with your family. Oh God, no. Like Maybe not even your wife. <laughs> I think this might be for dads. Um, right. But it, it dovetails nicely with the other thing I've been watching a lot of, like really over the last couple of weeks. Um, been binging Rick and Morty with a buddy of mine. And like, that's, whew. Um, if Back to the Future and Doctor Who was a cartoon that was uh, fueled by alcohol, um, you would have Rick and Morty. And it's a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it a lot. I highly recommend. Um, I watched John Wick 3 today on HBO. Don't. Um, it was not good. Um, just go watch John Wick 1 again. Or if you really want to see a new action movie, um, earlier this week I watched rambo last blood which i actually really enjoyed a lot which was a surprise because i really didn't think uh rambo was a movie that needed to be made again but stallone pulls it out it's um tonally much more in line with the original first blood it's a little bit darker and a little bit more commentary on on uh you know problems that exist in our world and our society as opposed to all of the other rambo movies that are really just Sylvester Stallone blowing a lot of people away predominantly in Southeast Asia. Um, but again, like I really enjoyed last blood. I think it was worth the time. Um, I think I watched that one on Amazon. I think it's prime. It might've been part of my stars account. I can't swear for sure. But, um, again, if you like action movies and you've enjoyed Stallone movies in the past, this one's definitely worth a watch. Uh, parks and rec had a special this week, which was really just an excuse to, try and motivate people to donate money to food banks, which is something that uh, we're all not, well, not we're all in need of right now, but as a country is definitely something that we need to be thinking about and talking about and looking at. And I think it was a really fun way to kind of check in on those characters. Um, It was a lot of fun. It was kind of a little bright spot, a little happiness in the week there. If you're a Parks and Rec fan, you absolutely need to watch it. It's available on Hulu. Um, Netflix yesterday dropped season two of rust valley restorers which is a show about canadian guys that run a shop restoring old cars from the as old as model t's to you know the 60s and 70s um that's another one of the season like i said season two just dropped between the two seasons i think there's like 14 episodes there's six episodes in this last season watched them all yesterday um really enjoyed it if you if you like the first episode definitely or first season definitely go back and watch season two if you haven't watched it at all, again, highly recommend it. If you like old cars and you like watching people work on them, 
Um, you know, it's a good cast of characters. They're a little goofy, but uh, again, it's a lot of people helping people. Um, if you like Knives Out, uh, Amazon has their own Agatha, Agatha Christie uh, based, uh, you know, kind of crime crime story. This one's a little bit less uh, detective focused. It's a little bit more about the people involved in the actual murders, but uh, it's good. They present it as a series. Don't think you're sitting down to watch an episode of a TV show. It's uh, it's two episodes, 60 hmm. minutes each. Just know that you just sit down, clear out two hours and know that there's going to be some really awkward credits in the middle of your movie and uh, work through it. But if, if you like Agatha Christie, if you like those kind of old older murder mystery whodunits, it's really fun. It's really good. It's got a great cast. Um, I watched Teen Titans Go! Exclamation point to the movies, which uh, is kind of my family recce of the week. And um, I laughed out loud a couple of times. If your kids like Teen Titans Go, the new version, not the original version, um, and it's not something that uh, you openly hate, I, I highly, you know, sit down, watch that one with your kids while you're all stuck in quarantine or stay at home, whatever you got going on in your state. Um, it's not a bad little watch. And then finally, I watched uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix and um, just know I don't I don't have a lot to say about that um, other than. I regret putting any of my life into that film um, to watch it. And, and no, that's what I have. Just no. Just stop. No, don't. Um, well, let's be honest. If there anything else, you were really excited about seeing, you know, the Game of Thrones star. See, she was know. the worst part of Game of Thrones. Like, she was the worst actor on that show. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, Sansa was terrible. I, and in fairness, um, Sansa wasn't a good character. You know what I mean? Like that's one of those ones I don't necessarily put that back on, on the actor playing the part. Um, just when you read the books, Sansa kind of sucks. And so sure enough, when they did the, 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 you know, the film version still sucked. So it's not necessarily a reflection of, of the actress herself, but I didn't care for her much in game of Thrones cause I didn't care for the part. And um, I didn't care for dark Phoenix cause it was a really bad fucking movie and not necessarily, um, reflective of anybody that was in it it just wasn't good um so yeah that's what i've got for the week you know again the ones that are definitely worth the time parks and rec rust valley restorers rambo last blood um a pale horse and, and the teen titans go movie what do you got for us adam uh so i have been binging parks and rec uh not i've not seen special yet but i am excited for that uh, another one that i've been watching is friends again we said earlier, um, but you know, I got the, the series for a really good deal. So I've been kind of starting and watching on friends again. And again, it's, it's funny what you were saying when you watch a show like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever it is. And then you go back and you see again, you're at different stages and points in life. I've realized that movies shows that I really liked when I was younger and I go back and like, wow, I'm like, it still holds its weight to an extent or sometimes it doesn't. It's just like, wow, I like this. Like, I go back and, you know, like, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, you know, Guilty Pleasures all day long. Um, a movie that I'm really excited about, I haven't seen it. However, I believe that sometimes you can just tell when a movie's going to be good. Uh, or at least you have a good feeling, like, this could be something really good. Or you get your hopes up and it's absolutely dog shit. However, I do not have this outlook for this movie. Jesse Eisenberg in Bavarian. It's very dark. Uh film about people who are looking for their starting home 
and they end up finding a place and going with this crazy sales agent and getting stuck in this vivarium, this little bubble city. And they keep getting things delivered to them. And then one day, the stork drops by and gives them the baby. Now you got to raise the baby all alone in this just cookie cutter house after cookie cutter house. They're all the same. I don't know. I, I saw the trailer. Uh, I read up on it. It looks really good. I'm excited. And uh, that is going to be something that I get into probably next week. And then, uh, you know, my kids pick the week, if you will, would have to be Spies in Disguise with Will Smith and uh, Tom Holland. I think it's a, it's a fun film. There's a, a little inappropriate parts in there that I'm starting to realize as a parent. There's just going to be things that are kids' movies and uh, stuff is going to happen, and then you got to explain it. But uh, other than that, I really liked the movie. I thought it was good. I thought it was uh, funny, corny, cheesy, like any other cartoon kids' movie. My, my favorite movie that I've been binging, and I think I've watched it five times now, The Gentleman, which we've talked about. Matthew McConaughey, Jeremy Strong, um, Colin Farrell. There, there's a whole bunch of cats in this movie, and that is just a, it's like layer cake. Uh, think Lock, Stock, Two Smoking Barrels. I think mm -hmm. those kind of films, when you watch this one, and I dare you to say that those movies were better than this one. That movie, I think, is one of the best movies out there right now, especially right now for binging. It's it's a good time. It's action-packed. It's good storytelling. It's good acting. It's good vision. The direction, it, it's really good. It's just nonstop from the word go. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a great movie. And honestly, I haven't been watching. Oh, Seinfeld. I've been binging Seinfeld. I've been watching Seinfeld like that because I've never watched it before all the way through. So that's been a lot of fun, which has taken me down a, a Larry David hole and getting into uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm and things like that. That. But I've always, I guess I've always liked Seinfeld and uh, David's kind of ideology and the way that they, they do their comedy. It's, it's very, very poignant, very smart, very, you know. Well, I think one of the things that will always keep Seinfeld relevant mm -hmm. um, is that it, Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld both were very, very dialed in on. They didn't want to do a show about anything that hadn't happened to somebody in real life. Right. Like if you were a writer on that show and you came in to pitch an idea, it didn't need to be like, I had this idea it needed to be like, this happened to me the other day, or I saw this the other day where my sister in Cleveland said this happened like to her neighbor, but they wanted like real life stories. And like, and so it was just people who you knew were kind of a disaster, like living a real life, just, you know, like George Carlin used to say, you know, like a comedian's job, I do two things. I either remind you of funny things that happened and you'd forgotten about, or I tell you about things you remember and didn't realize were funny the first time around. <laughs> I, I, yeah. And that's what Seinfeld is. It's all like, it's, it's always going to like be relevant and funny. Yeah. Are the outfits a little outdated? Like, you know, Jerry's jackets are kind of horrific now cause it's that eighties, nineties fashion. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. you know, like if you can get past like the hairstyles and, and, and the wardrobe, mm -hmm they're still really funny stories because oh, yeah. you can relate to them on some level. And so right. like, yeah, I think you, I, I don't think you can go wrong going back and watching an episode of Seinfeld. Um, uh, Larry and the multi-faceted talented Larry David playing 
oh so many roles like i remember i was like wait is that larry david on the tv wait is that larry david in a cape like talking to, to george costanza's dad like there's all these points where it's like they hadn't really shown and i was like wait that's larry david i'm like i forgot that he was in the show i knew he was the creator or one of the creators but like going throughout the show until he left to go to curb um yeah. which that's something i'm curious to find out about like i'm, I'm more curious to see why he ventured out I think because he so, wanted to act. I wanted so again, to... like Curb is is funny, but like Curb is a little bit more like stand up, or not yeah. stand up. I'm sorry, improv. Like right? SNL, yeah. Like, well, not even SNL. Like, it really is closer to improv. Like, they do a lot of things, and some episodes are really bad. A lot of them are, you know, like good, but the ones that are really good are yeah. just so good. Like when it works, it works, and he's just not afraid to just like take a concept and and go at it and see mm-hmm. what happens. And so, like Curb is, it, like like I said, there there are episodes that are bad, um, and then there are episodes like there's a lot of episodes where it's like, yeah, it was funny, but the ones that are good, man, the payoff is just enormous. I agree. Uh, that Speak- was that's all I have. I'm say, speaking of enormous payoff, um, and like I said, the the way this was covered this week, um, it was covered as a casting decision, and like, oh, this guy's been casted for this role. And I'm like, that's not the news here, guys. Like, you're 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 burying the lead. And in a couple of the articles I read, they didn't even get to the lead. And that's that the um, and I can't remember his name now, but the actor that played Django Fett in the prequels mm. has been cast to come back and play Bubba Fett in the in the Mandalorian show on on Disney Plus. Which means, timeline wise, Bubba Fett survived. Right. Because my understanding, again, if I, I know where the Mandalorian fits in the timeline of things, it's post-Jedi, pre-Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. And that means if they're going to cast Bubba Fett, Bubba Fett survived the Sarlacc. Which was always a thing like, no, no, he died. No, no, he died. And now we know that Bubba Fett was not actually a Mandalorian. But we do know that he's not dead. At least not at this period of time. You know, he made it off of Tatooine. Right. So if I wasn't already super excited about the Mandalorian coming back for season two, holy shit. Like I am now completely sold on season two and am equally horrified that they can't film anything right now because of the COVID issue, which means who knows when we're Mm -hmm. actually going to get this footage. Um, The only upside is that we can be pretty sure that, Disney's not going to go under, so at least this show's coming back. Well, I mean, it kind of makes me curious about the movies and what it would mean to the world of Star Wars if they would have kept him on to finish out the final trilogy of Skywalker, you know, before we go out into the great big universe of Star Wars, which is where this has all been, you know, heading I just don't understand why. Look, there was a reason why there. I mean, yeah, were some of the Star Wars movies not great that Lucas created and made? Of course, but they're sci-fi. They're all bad to an extent. Well, I mean, in its own they're way, they're all the original, bad. But the original it, it, it had one bad. bad dis- but it exactly. But it had its one visionary telling the same story. Like you at least had consistency with your vision of what this guy was doing and what he created. And then you come back and you get a different director. It's kind of like Harry Potter getting, you know, 
a professor of the dark arts every single year and it always sucks. There's a reason why the dark arts position always sucks because they're only there for one year. There's no consistency. There's no program. Oh, see, I always like consider that to be like the world's best running gag. Like it was like the, the drummer from uh, Spinal Tap, right? Like you don't know how, but the drummer's not going to make it because the drummer never makes it. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing with the dark arts teachers. Like this isn't going to work out. But the question is how. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. So, like, I was never but that, that's what I mean. Star Wars has been bad. Like, no, it's not going to work out. But it's like you're curious to see how they so, fuck this one. Up. So here, here's an interesting thought exercise. Um, and and again, this is someone who like my my trilogy, and I feel like depending on when you you were young, your trilogy is colored by which ones were available when you were a kid, like which ones came out. Um, so I'm an original original trilogy guy. As am I. Um, I do not care much for the for the prequels. And for me, the prequels were actually a little worse than the sequels, but uh, I haven't watched the prequels in a while. Like they may be better than I remember. But um, I was I was listening to a guy the other day, Ryan Lambert. He's on the uh, Puck Soup podcast. He writes a a newsletter a couple of times a week on their Patreon. Uh, used to write for for Yahoo Sports as a, as a hockey guy. Does a lot of college hockey coverage, but um, also big into pop culture. And he made a point the other day that was like irritatingly poignant and it's that if you want the truest vision of what george lucas thought star wars was right like of what he really envisioned that universe as being and how it should look and how everything should be put together and how the characters should behave with each other the prequels are the are the purest form of george lucas star wars because when he did the original trilogy he had some budget issues early on you know, like you didn't necessarily have like it wasn't a, 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 a license to print money like it is now. Right. Um, well, although, a little bit. A lot of the equipment he had to create and, and come up with the technology. But I'm, I'm talking from uh, from a story perspective. Oh, okay. I, I think I think. I shouldn't say I think I like to believe that he even he would agree that he should have been more practical in, in the prequels. Mm-hmm. And I think he just got overly excited by the technology um, oh, over sure. practical effects. But a yeah. lot of people did at that time, you know, in the 90s. But um, Sky Captain like, World of Tomorrow. Like when when he did that, when he did those movies, he was allowed to do pretty much whatever he wanted. Yeah. You know, like no one was going to question what George Lucas wanted to do um, with those movies. And so as such, the creative vision had the least restraint in those three movies. And so if you really want to know what George Lucas thinks Star Wars should look like, the first three movies in, in the overall series are probably the purest vision, you know, like he probably had to make some concessions for, for the production house and stuff in, in four five and six. Mm-hmm. And he was pretty cut out of, you know, seven, eight and nine, but one, two and three were exactly what he wanted them to be. And I think like, that's probably an accurate assessment and one of the most horrifying things I've ever heard. I mean, look, yeah, he probably got excited about all the, the bells and whistles and everything that you could do. So, of course, of course, if you have it, you're going to. But even back then, technology has gotten a lot better since the, you know, the prequels uh, of what he did. So, I don't know. Are, are we saying that George Lucas couldn't have done better than these last three movies? Had he been the one doing it? You know, um, it's hard to say that they could have done any worse. Right. You know, yeah. uh, I mean... Uh, and it's Lucas doing it. So, I mean, is, I feel like 
as long as Lucas is around, he should be the one making the Star Wars movie. Now, I know he he sold out. Like, he bought it. Not sold out, but, like, he sold the company. Gave he, sold his, like, he sold his equity. Yeah. Like, he, he, he turned the vision over uh, to Kathleen Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is fine. Like, that's a Disney. choice. That's a like, choice. Uh, yeah, I mean... And, and, and Disney, where... they don't care about making Star Wars, Star Wars of what it was. They're making a new generation. Like, even when I was watching Rise of Skywalker, I was like, this is not for me. This is not my Star Wars. This is for my kids who can't even sit down and watch it. You know, I mean, they I've tried to get them to watch Star Wars. I mean, they'll watch they'll watch the original Star Wars. And, and I mean, one through six, they'll watch those. Anything after that, like the Mandalorian, they'll sit down for a minute. But it's like, eh, they don't care. They're, they're trying to do too much instead of appeasing a crowd that is still very much vibrant and alive that loves Star Wars. You know, I mean, Solo almost ruined the whole Star Wars series. Like, people were talking about how much that movie tanked. You know, and, and then you got all these other Star Wars movies. And look, I went back and looked at The Force Awakens, and I know a lot of people get sensitive about this. They're, are they entertaining movies? Absolutely. And then after that, we can have a conversation. Like it, it, It's entertaining to an extent, but that's all it is. It's not good. It's not terrible. It's not great. It's just another movie that was made because the studios wanted to make money, and they knew that they could make a cash cow on this. They don't care how good it is. They're going to make the money either way because somebody's going to go and watch it, and people are going to buy it because it's Star Wars and hope that it's good. I, I mean... That's the market, you know, so. No, and um, I agree. We could probably talk about this for another two hours. Lord knows we probably have two or three hours in the can from previous episodes. Um, So. Yeah, I I like the original trilogy. We we could probably talk this all day. Um, I'm not going to get too hung up on it because it is it is pushing pretty late at night. Oh, yeah. uh, That is the thing we're trying to avoid for 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 the families. But um we're going to circle back to one sports thing real quick for those of you from the, from the sports part of the podcast that are still with us. Uh, and we'd started to talk about qu- quarterback coaches, like tandems that we really liked in the NFL right now and thought, oh, that, uh, yeah, we're going to have yeah. a good, good year. We're not going to get too deep in that conversation. Cause again, like I said, it is getting pretty late, Of course. but um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and have you give me your quarterback coach pick for the year that you're, you're most excited to see what they do and think have like a really strong chance at, at winning. Um, and then I'll give mine and we'll, we'll call it a night. So who, who do you think quarterback coach tandem this year? Who, who do you think is going to be the, the, the ones to watch? Uh, I mean, look, I think that you always have to go with whoever has the most consistency, the most time together. I feel like Belichick and Stidham will, even though Belichick is the goat when it comes to coaching, um, there's going to be growing pains there that they're going to have to feel each other out, figure out how to work within their own system offensively. Bruce Arians and, and uh, Tom Brady are probably going to be fine, but Breeze and Peyton, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of things are hidden for them because even though Tampa Bay is going to be good this year, New England's going to be good this year. I, I think that it's going to take a year for each of them to figure out what they're doing within their system and Peyton and, and Breeze are just ready to go. Like there, there's no change except for bringing Emmanuel Sanders in, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, they've, they've really up, they lost again, 
which really isn't a loss. It's, you know, addition by subtraction. But then you also get Emmanuel Sanders. I don't know. I think Breeze. I, I say Breeze Payton because they just, it, it's going to be more consistent. They have a high-powered offense. And I think that, you know, Tampa Bay is going to probably make the playoffs. I think New England may just miss the playoffs. It might be there close, but I, I feel like they'll they'll miss it by a game or two. Uh, I don't think they'll be terrible. I just don't think they're going to be like the, 10, the 12, 13 game winning team. They might win 10 or 9 games. No, but yeah, this could I, be Buffalo's year to finally break out of the East. Exactly. You know, or Miami, you know, with Ryan, Ryan uh, Fitzmagic, uh, baby. Fitzmagic. Little Fitzmagic. Like if they're, if they're happy with how Tua looks and his health, I mean, that could be something there too. Um, that being said, like, I, I get what you're saying with, uh, with Peyton and, and breeze. Um, and I mean, definitely, I mean, they, they've been good together for a long time. Right. Um, the only reason I'm going to go with a different pick is I think breeze is going to be another year older. And I think mm-hmm. they have a formula that works and they're not going to change it very much. And if they do, it's going to be more to address uh, Breeze's aging arm than it is going to be to innovate. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with a guy we talked about earlier. I'm going to go with Harbaugh and Jackson. I think, um, I think John Harbaugh demonstrated that he's more in tune with his quarterback than any other coach in the league. Um, I think he really innovated an offense that hadn't been seen before that directly reflected his quarterback's needs and complemented his skill sets. And I think they're only going to be able to build on that going into this season. Having the off season apart is going to hurt him a little bit because it is a young quarterback, but mm-hmm. I do think that, um, I think that the two of them together, like they're really in tune. I think Jackson's really like doing the work to figure out that offense. Um, it's built for him to be successful. And so like when you talk about like a quarterback, coach tandem I don't know that there's a pair in the league right now that are more dialed in on what it is that I, each of them does well and how to kind of support mm-hmm. each other and build off of that so um, there may be some quarterbacks that are more successful overall or in certain metrics I mean Jackson doesn't put up a, like a, a ton of yards passing but he puts up a lot of touchdowns through the air he puts up a lot of yards on the ground and I think another year um I think Harbaugh really needs to innovate more. I think he can't sit with like, if, if it comes out and it's the same offense again this year that it was last year, it's going to be much less effective. But if he continues to innovate and find news, new ways to really accent Jackson's talent, mm-hmm. um, as far as, as, as a coach and a player really being in tune and, and putting them head and shoulders above the rest of the league, I think that opportunity exists more in Baltimore than anywhere else. So I'm going to go ahead and go with them. It's not a bad pick. But uh, is there anything else you got this week, Adam? No, no, except baseball. Let's get it back. I mean, I'm, I'm going to start watching some Korean baseball. Go Tigers. Go, go, go Kia Tigers. Kia Tigers. Kia Tigers. Um, all right. Well, that's all we have this week. Adam, it was really great to have you back. Um, Good to be back. We continue to be on a, a myriad of different platforms. Uh, for those of you that tried to watch us on Facebook Live, I don't know what I did wrong, but it was definitely something. So we'll we'll get this up on Facebook at some point. But if you did try and tune into the live feed, I apologize. Um, we're on Google Play right now, as well as a number of different other like podcast platforms. 
We're trying to get back on iTunes right now, so you can check us out there. Adam, where can the people find you on social media? Yes, you can find me at Adam J. Mauer on Twitter, or you can find me at the Adam J. Mauer on Instagram. And, and uh, yeah, please hit us up, send us a message on Facebook or, or Twitter, and you know, let us know what you think. If, if you have your own list of movies or shows that you're watching that you want us to talk about or view and then talk, let us know. Hit us up. You know, we don't know unless you tell us. You can always find us, uh, find the podcast itself on Facebook at Field Goals to Fanboys on Facebook. If you're watching us there, you already know where that is. Otherwise, you can just punch Field Goals to Fanboys in that search uh, platform on Facebook, and it'll take you right to us. You can find me on Twitter at 2 for Loafing. That's at the number 2, F-O-R, Loafing. Um, by all means, you can hit me up there. The field, the, the Facebook page tends to be a little bit more pop culture. The, the Twitter feed tends to be a little bit more sports, but uh, I do a little bit of both on each. We really appreciate you tuning in. We hope you come back next week. 10 o'clock on Saturdays is when we try and do the live stream. So if you want to watch us live, go ahead and hit us up there. Otherwise, we're available for replay all week long. And as always, Mike, thanks for listening.